Ladies and germs, it's another fun-filled episode of the Cleveland Moto Podcast. Light them up. <laughs> and they are off. Um, enjoy. I mean, I'm drinking at home, so I don't drink anything that comes in a can. Uh, mm. uh, there we go. That looks like the Nano, right? Yeah. The Market Garden Brewery Nano. Nice. I, I don't even have... Nano and a uh, Sazerac Ride Chaser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like how Oscar's eating the ceremonial cheese, cheesy poofs. Yeah. yeah. Cheesy poofs. <laughs> I have, I have, I don't even have beer. I am alcohol free. I have other things, but um, this is uh, craft ginger beer. But the most important part is that it says extra and a hundred percent more ginger than the original. See, is it spicy? Okay, I, oh, yeah. Reed's. Yeah. Reed's extra. That's pretty yeah. good, man. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. Right. Reed's extra is very good. Here we go. All right. I'm actually drinking iced tea so I don't pass out four times. <laughs> somebody, somebody sent me a text message after uh, the podcast aired and asked if you were alive. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I really yeah. cannot, no. So Chris is on another podcast. Chris is taking a conference call in the middle of his podcast. Hold on. Let me mute it. Yeah. Well, there it is. Yeah, that's exactly it. There you go. There he goes. <laughs> we had to mute our anus. Let's <laughs> just watch him. He had a loud anus. <laughs> I, I, think, I think, okay, I, I just, I feel strongly about this. I think that for the benefit of our listener, that we should very carefully make sure that we don't have any more Janus jokes. I think that, I think that that's, look, I'm, I'm, it's just that we beat Chris's Janus to death. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think we can, I don't think we need to do it anymore. I think it could differ. Janus was definitely devastated after last week. It was, it took days to recover. I didn't feel a thing. He beat that anus to death. Plenty full. Well, his Janus is at the shop now because it, it needs a full lube in service as a result of last week's reaming. <laughs> exactly. It was a, a pile of Janus jokes. <laughs> it was a pile. <laughs> uh, okay. Just, yeah. It's going to get to the point where it's not funny, and then 10 minutes later, it'll be extremely funny. Yeah. It'll never not be funny. I'm sorry. It just won't be. So I see that tonight is a Fez night. I, I would like to thank Chris and Dan for stimulating that, um, for exciting our Fezes. Uh, now, Chris is wearing, that is an Alcoran, right? That's correct. That is an Alcoran. Yep. And then, Dan, what have you got going on? Because you are yeah, just, there's no markings on mine whatsoever, but it's a really, it's a nicely made Fez with a nice silk liner. And, yeah, it's got good shape. Uh, and it's festooned with amazing uh, acrimones on the front. <laughs> acrimones. It is festooned with accoutrement. The, uh, <laughs> mine is a, a Doctor Who Fez that was made for me by a company called Fez-O-Rama, and we'll go ahead and let the camera see that. Um, Fez-O-Rama, get in touch with them, because they'll build you a a Fez to your specifications. Oh. So you can tell them what you want. And uh, years and years and years ago, and what's nice is the tassel on the Fez-O-Rama Fez is completely adjustable. So if you like a little tassel or a whole lot of tassel, okay, (laughs) It is adjustable. It has an adjustable tassel. 
built into it. Now, that's the sign of quality when you can get your tassel to hang exactly as you like it. Really, quality merchandise made in America right here. A retractable tassel. Retractable, adjustable tassel. So some people like the tassel to break right at the edge of the fez. Mm -hmm. Some people like it to touch their, you know, their cheek or whatnot. But now I did opt for the, um, the full height as opposed, they do make a much shorter fez for people that want that more, you know, 60s uh, uh, Nehru collar style. I was going just full stovepipe Lincoln on this one. Uh, you really want to send the point home. And it works good with the TARDIS because it is that mm -hmm. all aspect ratio on the TARDIS. Uh, they brought this out for me at an event that we used to have called Going Primitive at the Tiki Oasis out in the middle of Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. And they did this thing and I got in touch with them. I said, we're driving all the way up from Cleveland. I would love to have, uh, if you could make me a Doctor Who TARDIS Fez. And here we have it. So that's it. Did you um, hear uh, recently that they are taking away the TARDIS and the new doctor will not have the TARDIS? Yeah. Um, I've had just about all I can take of the alteration manipulation of my former favorite British superhero. Right. Um, yeah, it's not going well for me. So I watched like the half of the first season and it was okay, but I, was, I, I haven't kept up with it. So. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind that there's a female doctor or there was a female doctor, right. thing, but you can't take away all the staples. You can't take away Daleks. You can't take away the TARDIS. And, and I'm sorry for anybody that's not a complete nerd right now, but <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, it's what it's turned into is every episode has to have a spiritual lesson, right? Um, every, lesson. every episode is now a, ABC after school special. I'm just saying that the day they killed K9 and took him away, everything went downhill after that. I'm just saying. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's just, it has turned into a kinder, gentler, more socially awoke, awoke uh, thing. And it's, it's, it's not just trying to be a silly, stupid spy fi thi or sci fi thing anymore. It's Which really, is. really. Well, yeah. They're trying to teach me something, and I, I've had enough learning. I just need to dumb for a while. <laughs> To, uh, to quote my, my really best friends, Mitch, you all have a lot of cranial accessories. We do. We do. Yeah. It's with every movie, though. It's like James Bond or Batman or whatever. It used to be somewhat campy. There used yeah. to be some fun in it. Now it's just so serious that it's like, why does it have to be so serious? I don't want it. Life is too serious. Yeah. Right. And bringing that particular quote up with the Batman reference is solid gold, by the way, the uh, Joker reference. Now, um, before we get into anything even remotely motorcycle oriented, I did want to talk about a little bit about drinking because I know that we have a very cavalier attitude on this podcast regarding the, uh, the, the lifting of the wrist. Speaking of that, Mecklefresh chimes in. It's yeah. as though we fucking conjured him up. <laughs> out of the vapor. Somebody said drinking and <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So just to make sure I, I want to make sure our podcast listeners don't understand that we just, you know, that they got the ideas. We just get together on a Thursday or Friday night. And the idea is we just want to get fucked up. Um, no, we we're trying for quality here. We're trying to have an experience. Exactly. <laughs> As Oscar's drinking fucking water. <laughs> so that's it. And, and Steve's drinking non-alcoholic. Um, a couple of things you should think about. 
If you don't already have it, get yourself one of these. Um, this is called a Lewis bag. And a Lewis bag is basically any sack. Um, this is like a wildebeest size sack. This will hold like uh, 12 ice cubes, maybe 10 or 12 ice cubes. And uh, they're usually made out of canvas or some other kind of uh, material that won't rot. And you fill this up with ice cubes and you smash the shit out of it on the kitchen table or on the sidewalk outside or whatever. And if you do that, you end up with this perfect crushed ice. And I mean, it's better than the electric ice crusher things. And this doesn't require batteries or electricity or anything. You can bring this with you anywhere you go. And it's better than having to take off your socks and put the ice cubes in your socks and smash the shit out of them. <laughs> so the Lewis bag pro tip, if you don't have a Lewis bag, get one. Um, Bullet bourbon for a while, They this was a promo. You'd buy a big old bottle of bullet bourbon and they'd come with a Lewis bag. This, though, will turn you from having just a drink with ice cubes in it to a drink with crushed ice in it. And ain't that fucking fancy. So, you know, drinking better, not necessarily drinking more, but drinking better is always good. I like that. I thought you were going to say that there was a like a, a listener email of concern for us for uh, consumption. Yes, one of our <laughs> podcast listeners is very concerned that we're too alcohol focused. What? Oh, so it wasn't. Oh, I thought I was, I was joking. Again, I I'll fucking drink to that. So. <laughs> Take Jeff, that. Cheerio. Yeah. Fucking abolitionists uh, or whatever. Especially uh, like this week. Teetotalers. Wasn't abolitionist day like the, the prohibition? Neo-prohibitionist. Yeah. Neo-prohibitionist. Neo-prohibitionist. Wasn't that like just recently where like uh, the, the date of the repeal was just like last week or something, right? Yes. We yeah. celebrated the, what, the 21st Amendment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so anyway, there you go. Send that on the week of when booze became legal again. Thank you very much, listener. Yeah. yeah. Great. And right. And I don't think any of us got particularly fucked up during the podcast last time. Like maybe Steve fell asleep, but I think that's yeah, just because he normal. wakes up too early. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 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 I, wasn't, I wasn't drunk last week. Right. I was exactly. Tired. I don't think anybody remembered. There was no, like there was no brown liquor fade outs or anything like occasion. Or, or Steve didn't actually fall down in his own garage. <laughs> he didn't. We were <laughs> yourself. That was months ago. Right. He doesn't do it every podcast, so I don't think he has a problem. It's only for special occasions. I'm sorry, one listener, but, you know, drinking and cigarettes and having a podcast has been since episode one. That's been a part of this for every podcast. I mean, that's not, you know, maybe we didn't always drink. Maybe you're seeing a little bit more because you actually have video and you're seeing us drink. But we always have. You know, it's been a part of well, getting a bunch of buddies together. Well, that same guy. Getting, getting a bunch of guys together, having some drinks, and talking yeah. about motorcycles and whatnot. Well, right. the same guy complained to Joe Rogan that he talks about fighting too much and elk. <laughs> so those, you know, he's the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So before we get into the motorcycle content again uh, about uh, alcohol, and we do not endorse alcohol at all, we're not saying that this is a drinking podcast. That's not what this is about. So today I've got this blade and bow. Uh, now, I have no knowledge of this product whatsoever. I, 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 this, is, this is my first time with this particular liquor. It's my per first time with this particular bourbon. Is this an exclusive review? No, it's not a review because I haven't opened it yet. Well, you're going to though, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna so open you're, it. Gonna you're gonna review it at some point. I'm gonna open it. 
Yeah. It's going to get opened. Um, but the amount of reading. Yeah, here you go, Dan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. The amount of reading on this fucking bottle is insane. So this is. Uh, Did Dr. Bronner's make it? <laughs> yeah, well, this is uh, Stitzel Weller Distilling Company uh, to Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, so what do we know about Stitzel Weller, Dan? Uh, they're, they make, uh, well, Weller is a well-known bourbon maker. We love Weller. Stitzel Weller is, I believe, is a cooperage that makes some of the best um, charred barrels for bourbon in the world. And what we're going to do is I'm going to take a small dram of this just to sample it. But I'm going to bring, I'm going to keep this around so that we can all enjoy it together. Because... Um, this year, we were the number one Piaggio Vespa dealer in our district. Um, take that, Johnny Chef in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so we, we kicked his ass. We sold 140 Vespas. And uh, so that's, this was my prize today. So they didn't send me to Italy or California or whatever. They, they brought me a bottle of Kentucky bourbon. So because our dealer rep understands me, I guess. So here we go. We're going to go ahead and crack into this fucker. The, uh, but there's a, there's a, ironically, there's a key on the side. I don't know if you can see that. It's a very small skeleton mm -hmm. key. And it is, it is actually made of metal. It's not, you're that, that's how you know it's a real key. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that we just, nice beret. <laughs> raspberry. <laughs> it's more of a tangerine beret. On Oscar, the, but the rules, what I've generally thought what the rules were is the more containers it comes in. So if it's like in a sock, inside a bag, inside another bag, inside a cardboard box, inside a metal case, it must be fucking delicious. So this one is uh, just pretty much. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's it will. I'll tell you right now, it passes the sniff test. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab myself a, a vessel, an appropriate vessel. A vessel. So what do you have there, Chris Smith? Well, he's yeah, so, a vessel. yeah. So as long as we're not talking about booze all the time. Yeah. I picked up a bottle of Cleveland Christmas spiced bourbon today oh. over, over at my local, my local retailer. Retailer. Uh, uh, not too not sure too how sure. it's going to be, but I will say this, that it is very pleasant mm -hmm. and drinkable. It's not overly spiced or uh, annoying. So I'm going to save the rest of this for when we all get together. So you guys can all have a taste of it too. I can say that I have had a taste of that and it is pretty tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's that a, was, that might've actually been on the, uh, chocolate thunder white lightning night. Oh, uh, part of that extravaganza <laughs> well it's it's got a whole story here on the back that i haven't gotten around to reading it but apparently it's a cleveland made product which well, yeah. makes me wonder no well, do you know about those guys at all or not who did i i do not um they 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 so they're down in um i almost rented when i had my company a place next to them they they made a process where they have like all these different vats and stuff and they figured out a way to age booze like 40 years in a year so like they're doing things where that's supposed to taste like probably a much older booze than it is because of the process that they've used. And it took the guy like 10 years to refine this process, but that's their claim to fame is that when they produce an alcohol, 
it's like it's fairly priced, but it's supposed to taste like a thirty or forty year old booze. Well, this does taste like an eighteen month old bourbon. I'll say that. <laughs> My uh, impression of the process is what they they somehow they put vacuum in the barrel, which forces the alcohol into the wood quicker, and then they take it up. So it it's it's a process where it it makes it drink the wood more. You know, they and I think they're saying is. We could make four-year-old bourbon in 30 minutes or something like they, eh, I don't do know you, how I feel. Do you guys understand that they use barrels or are they just using uh, bourbon barrel staves? I think they're using staves inside of an autoclave and they're pushing that shit. Not an autoclave. Then not, they're not, 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 oh, sorry, whatever the pressure, pressure vessel. Yeah, pressure vessel. So they're forcing that liquor through the wood. Yeah. So it's kind of like a great big pressure cooker. That they're, That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, autoclave. Sorry. Be, yeah, an autoclave you use to sanitize your yeah, right, your right. junk. Yeah, that would kill the yeast and everything else. So yeah, I was sorry. There's no substitute for time. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. But I think it is drinkable though. Like their stuff's not terrible. It's not like you're getting kinshakta from the fucking like you know corner store or something like that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to violate Dan's rule. I had a little a little taste of it neat and i'm just gonna go ahead i've got got it on a cube here and we're gonna let that sit a little while longer but yeah that's good that's real good um that's that's we'll like that so looking forward to a time we can looking forward to a time we can all be together and and make this bottle disappear so yeah very much, uh, very cool. And I'm thrilled to get not only get the award, but make it disappear with you guys. So okay. that's, yeah, that's a that's a good thing. So Phil, who was who was uh, runner up, or do you know who was even close to you? Number two. So number two behind us was Johnny Chef at MotorWorks in Chicago. Good good friends of ours, you know, uh, you know, good pals in the in the group. Johnny's a fantastic human being. He's a lot of fun. If you think I'm fun, you're not. Johnny's like me turned to 11. He's super fun. So he's, yeah, he's a great guy to be around. If you ever get a chance, go to MotorWorks in Chicago, check them out. They're BMW, Ducati, Triumph, and Piaggio products. So good, good dudes. Yeah, very good, very good folks over there. Plus the shop is really cool too. And I think they might even have a pizza oven. I think their thing is like some motorcycle shops will do coffee. I think they've got an actual stone uh, wood-fired pizza oven. So that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. What's not to love. Uh, so I did want to talk at brief mention. Somebody got a bike today. Oh yeah. And that's, that's saying something, you know, here we are December 10th and somebody got a bike and, and we can make this even a funner game. His first name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Slowing <laughs> down. I mean, in my old age, I'm slowing down. It used to be one a week. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now it's it's no longer one a week. So, but this is kind of special because this isn't this isn't the kind of thing where you're like, John's drinking a white Russian. Bocanito. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you <laughs> Puerto Rican eggnog. I was going to say that differs from last Friday night. Yeah. He was doing something with a white Russian, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> White yeah. Russian, black Russian, that don't matter to me. So tell me more about the motorcycle that you acquired, Mr. Hoffert. So my uh, son's neighbor had this uh, bike in the garage. They didn't know what it was. 
Uh, I guess they wrote it at some point in their life back in, it looked like 97, maybe. I think the okay. plate's 97. But uh, I was out just sitting on my, my kid's back porch, and I talked to this guy, and he's like, oh, I'll just come in the garage and, and take a look at it. So the front, about the front third of it was uncovered, and I knew it was a, C, the guy said it was a CB550, so I just assumed it was a CB550 because it was kind of buried in the back of his garage. And today I, I went to pick it up, and it's a it's actually a CB500. It's a 71 CB500, which is the first year they made them. And Damn. it's beautiful. I mean, the, the uh, tank, the paints, uh, the paints in excellent condition. There's some, like, very minor, uh, you know, pitting, not pitting, but, like, rust. And some of the chrome, but not like not, not very much. And the pipes are the original uh, muff, the original mufflers and in, in, uh, uh, pipes are in really good shape. I mean, there's a little tiny, tiny bit of uh, a rust on it, but oh Jesus! But you'll be so able it to has muff- good set a good set of the original four to fours on it. Yeah, four to four, I and mean, they're beautiful too. It's I mean, oh, I, that's beautiful. Yeah, so I'm I'm very happy with it, and and uh. I'm going to, I mean, it's actually everything moves on it too, which is very, you know, you sometimes you get a bike and the clutch won't move or the, the right. throttle won't move or nothing will, like the everything, but everything is, you know, it's, it might not be like the day it was produced, but it's, it's, uh, it's in very good shape. So what color is it? It's uh, I think they call it Jade meta- metallic Jade. Oh, the green. Black. Yeah. Uh, Bucyrus Green or something like that. Yeah, the one year was Jade, and but this was the first year, so I don't know what they, I don't know, what, but it's a very, it's my favorite color. It's it my pretty cool that they they made. It's like uh, when I grew up, the guy across the street had a CB three fifty in the same color, the green. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he always said he was going to sell it to me, and one day he just got rid of it, and it still, you know, pisses me off. He wrote it like once a year yeah. around the. Yeah. So, anyway, how about the side panels? You got side panels, <laughs> nice feet. Yep, they're in very good shape. Um, every everything's intact. I mean, no cracks. I'm gonna lube the crap out of them and uh, put new rubbers on so that they don't they don't bust the tabs off. <laughs> right. How many miles does it have on it? Actually, I didn't even look at that yet. I I was. Uh, I got it in the dark. I rolled it up on the back of the comics, uh, <laughs> and it's sitting right. It's sitting right out here. So nice. Uh, Did you but, pay for it, or was it a freebie? No, I. Uh, the original deal was two hundred bucks plus electrical work. Oh my god! So I went to the guy's house Saturday, and I was doing. I did what I could do. Um. But he has a broken underground line, so there's really it was to his like his garage, and he had a really old like a old line that was in Greenfield, and I couldn't pull another line through, so I couldn't really help him. I I, I just see I, I disconnected all the bad wiring that where the insulation was cracked, and I just I said, hey, I'll I'll get you in the spring. I put a temporary line in. And he's like, that's cool. Just get it in the spring. And so then I said, you know, I don't feel right about just paying you 200 bucks for it because I didn't do anything for you. So 
I gave him 500 bucks for it. So it's still a buck a CC. So yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah. there's a picture yeah. of one I pulled up now. Is it that lighter color yeah. or is it the dark, um, Baca screen? Cause this is the lighter color green here. And they did, and some of the other Hondas had a very dark, what some people call British racing green, but it was called Bacchus. That's Bacchus, not Bucyrus. Yeah, well. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I always called it. That's, um, I mean, it's a little bit, I think it's that color because it's wow. a little more like yellowish. It's like a little okay. greenish, like yellowish green, like almost a metallic I'll bet you that that's what the, I'll bet you because this is the correct color for a 71. So 71s came in gold, brown, and this color green. That's um, what it's similar to that, but it's like I said, it's, it's hard to see because it was dark and, mm -hmm. and I took a picture with my phone, but you know, the phone, like it distorts it because it's such a, a high K, like a 500 K flash. Oh yeah, it doesn't yeah. give you a really a natural color. Correct. But I, I could send. I could. I, I'll text a picture. I took a picture of the side covers and the. Mm -hmm. So I could. I could text a picture right now. Yeah, Texas. If you could scan the whole bike, that would be the be best helpful. thing. Yeah, that'd be the best possible solution. Okay, yeah, maybe do a three sixty drone shot around it. <laughs> that's kind of the level that we expect around here. Right. Once you bring that coat. Bring that coquito over here, and I'll do that. <laughs> Get that knocked right out. <laughs> yeah. So, so that color is not the Bacchus, the green. Uh, it's probably the candy jade. So the the candy jade is or candy. Some people it was funny because it was candy jade or candy jet green, uh, garnet brown. Uh, but it, it's real pretty. I mean, it's it's definitely the color you want to have. I've had a number. I have you know had a number of the brown ones, but. Yeah, very cool. Bill's always down with the brown. I'm always down with the brown. I like a nice, I like a brown motorcycle and I like a, a white motorcycle. Hey, yeah. we have a special guest. I, I gave a call. That doesn't look like Steve. Oh, wait, Steve moved over. Yeah, no. Now I, we have Chris's anus. I asked Chris's anus <laughs> to come on with us and hang out this week. <laughs> What's going on, gang? How are you doing up there in Cleveland, guys? What's going What's on, Chris's going? anus? <laughs> Well, I'm still real tight, anus. Low miles, but you know, I'm a little bike curious, so miles might start going up. Right, it's it's a, you're still a fresh, still a fresh, a fresh anus. Still real, real nice and tight. Tight, tight, tight like a twiger. The uh, <clears throat> I'm, so, how are you doing, Dan? What's going on down in Cincinnati? Oh man, you know, just trying to uh, you know heed your words of advice and work on projects. Yeah, that's uh, that's twenty twenties been the project year so it is the project to, uh, year know. man like this is the time you've got every excuse in the world to get your ass into the garage and work on some shit uh yeah there's there's little there's little downside right now to working on a bunch of bikes yeah it's been really good down here um there's three of us that rent our shop space down here so the three of us uh you know between us we've got plenty of projects and people bring scooters by the for us to stab with screwdrivers, but you know, we do what we can for folks. You, you posted the most ugly, but beautiful to me, a uh, green, uh, Vespa ish, some kind of a, either, a uh, yeah, that guy. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. That's a legend, baby. Well, that's, they all like my bed judge. 
the mirrors, the that, mirrors make it though. That's the best part, man. <laughs> this has been the uh, go-to project for me for a little while. Uh, I, I seized the motor up last year by uh, starving of oil after uh, really sending it at mid Ohio and, uh, you know, coming home and just cruising around and not checking my oil. So, uh, blew up the motor, um, was able to find one out in St. Louis and have been playing the, put a new motor in a bike game. Is that the, is that the bike where you pulled about 27 pounds of uh, mid Ohio mud off of it when you got back? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, I still got that big old bag. I, I've been thinking about growing something in that. <laughs> it's good and fertile. <laughs> you might you could grow a baby motorcycle out of that fucking. Uh, you could grow any number of things. No, whatever that. whatever blend of weed you grew out of Mid Ohio mud would just be <laughs> that would be vicious. <laughs> but yeah, that's been the project, and it's just been you know when you haven't ever worked on a bike before, and parts are hard to come by, you uh, start learning lessons the hard way. So. It's been good. It's been a learning experience. Uh, so what is the more, more common uh, scooter that you come through? Or are they all kind of different breeds? of? Uh, uh, it, it's, typically, all we really have go, coming through is like two-stroke stuff. Um, right. Just because there's not really anyone in this area that's working on, you know, vintage peas or just any Vespas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we've got a couple things that just kind of work their way here. You'll, you'll get a call from somebody that says, hey... You know, the guys over at Metro said, I should call you. Right. They, they sound busy. So what do you got going on? Well, it's so, glad it's good. that Seth is sharing your phone number, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's great. Sure. I mean, that's, that's so cool that you guys can have that relationship where they're sending you that kind of vintage stuff because it's can, it can be really, really trying in a world where nobody wants to work on old bikes having somebody in your town that's willing to work on old machines is just a fucking godsend. And, and, yeah, and it, it, it goes both ways because, you know, you'll get random people that go, you know, I've got, you know, this modern scooter and want to get some stuff done. And I'm just like, but I'm not touching it. Go right. see Seth. You know, let's keep the doors open there because, <laughs> you know, I love those guys to death. And, you know, the last thing I want to see is the only scooter shop in town go away. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just great. That kind of a relationship, it, it's, it's the best possible thing. We're so funny about the way we do vintage work. It's sometimes we're qualifying the person more than qualifying the bike because we know we can work on the bike. The question is, can the person handle what it's going to cost us to work on the bike? And there, it's great to have somebody in town who's a garage mechanic who just likes to pick up the occasional bike. And if he doesn't have anything on his lift, you can throw him something. And he's going to come in a hell of a lot cheaper than 90 bucks an hour over at our shop. And uh, yeah, it's great to have somebody around. We've got a guy in Cleveland that we throw uh, certain vintage jobs to, and he's great. And, you know, we love having that. So, so cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah, it's the whole concept of keeping the faith alive. You know what I mean? It is. Because the, the vintage scooter scene is uh, becoming thinner and thinner with uh, every passing year. And, you know, someone's got to be around doing it or otherwise I just feel like these things are going to disappear. Yeah. And that's, and boy, all you have to do is if you look at the Cushman community, the Cushman community is an excellent example of that because we had a thriving thing. Uh, and now it's, it's very, you know, unless you go to the, the Portland, Indiana swap meet, you don't see much of Cushman's running around Cleveland, Ohio at all. So it is proof that, you know, that those guys are one generation 
older than us. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much. So, yeah, it's great that you're working on that stuff. Hey, just, the Wellington engine show. That's where you see most of the Cushmans. So. Um, to solidify the fact that we're not just an alcohol-based podcast, the real reason I invited Dan on was to talk about any new beers coming out of Rheingeist, which he works at. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first off, I'm drinking the delicious Stroh's with uh, some ginger beer. Uh, nice, carry it down nice. at the party source. So that's been my go-to uh, spiced, uh, spiced rum of choice now. It's, it is. I mean, that is so flipping good. Right. Ginger beer and Stroh rum together is this vicious butterscotch. Ah, it's the it's the darkest of dark and angry stormies. It's just oh, it, it, and nobody believes how powerful it is until they smell you coming. I like and that term, the angry stormy. They are. They're just terrible. I mean, you talk about a dark and stormy. This is a cyclone in the middle of the night that takes lives. It's really not just a dark and stormy. Yeah. It is fucking dangerous shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, there's no, there's no taking of a shot of it straight either. If you take a shot of it straight, your entire esophagus is just going to like rot away into your stomach. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta mix it with something. Um, I was also loving just good apple cider from the orchard. Yeah. Oh. The, <clears throat> normally you have to put so much booze in it. You lose the flavor with the strohs. You're, putting in half as much but getting twice as much back and that bottle over dan's right shoulder there on on the workbench that's the stro bottle and just so people don't think we're talking about stro's beer we're not talking about stro's beer we're talking about austrian made rum and austria is known for many things and it's not their fucking rum uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <It> should be <laughs> The number on the label, 160, is the proof of the right. <laughs> Didn't we have some in one, one of the podcasts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was one. I vaguely remember. I don't know nobody, why. Nobody remembers that podcast. In fact, I went back to listen to it, and I got so embarrassed, I turned it back off and just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that bottle yeah, went kind of back one. in my bar for 20 years, and... Um, you guys, uh, you guys probably have sparked a lot of sales of straw rum. Yes, I know we have. So the, the funny thing is, as a result of this podcast, we've had I've had a number of people call me and say they went to the liquor store and they requested it, and they were like, "I was like, yeah, we have one bottle in the back, and it's been here for ages. It's got dust on it." Um, and he was shocked. Good stuff. Somebody bought it, right? Yeah. And we've also had a lot of people call us and say, oh, man, since since you guys turned me on to that, that's mm-hmm. like my official it goes in everything. Like, you know, the I put that shit on everything um, liquor. And but it is so violent. It's so like and it's got that like that nose. You smell it. and You're like, oh, butterscotch. This is going to be delightful. <laughs> and I don't know how they got the butterscotch flavor because there's no room in it for anything but alcohol. No. <laughs> it's definitely a rum that will steal a day of your life if you let it. <laughs> I, I, I remember going to work the day after you broke that out at the podcast on a Thursday. And I didn't, I didn't feel bad when I first got up and I got to work at seven 45 and I was at my desk at eight. And then it hit me how hungover I was, how terrible my life was until about 11. It's about a three hour, this terribleness. And then it goes away. But those three hours, you're you're paying for every moment of fun that you had if you're not careful with that shit, man. Oh, 
And I think it was a wise move that I don't think you can buy it in any size other than that, like ridiculous, you know, it's not a fifth. I mean, it's like a proper liter bottle. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I actually saw um, like half liter bottles, small bottles in Austria, but I've never seen them here in the U.S. <laughs> in Austria, that makes perfect sense when people buy nine or 10 of those little ornamental uh, Jaeger bottles just to get on the bus, you know? <laughs> Chris, tell us about your Jaeger discovery. Oh gosh, give me, give me a minute because I, I I put it away. Keep, keep pocket. Hang on, right? Jesus, I, why did he put it away? We had company coming over or something. He didn't want people to see his I'm drinking. Just happy, I'm just happy he didn't shut his computer off to walk away because that's usually his. <laughs> <laughs> he just closed the laptop, slams the screen, and has to log back in again. <laughs> And then somehow there's like three Smiths logged in at the same time and none of them are working. <laughs> exactly. Our whole, our whole thing is slowed down and crashing and it's like, thanks, Chris. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm back. All right. So tell us a little bit more about this dark colored label you're holding up. So this is a cold brew coffee Jägermeister. Okay. Ah, All right. So yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's only for uh, breakfast. Uh, you're not allowed to drink it after 12 in the uh, afternoon. So this is your morning go-to jump start, And it could be actually used as a little wolf juice too. Yeah. If you ever need some of that. Hey, Chris, is that, would you say like when you're drinking that, is the coffee more of what you taste or is mm-hmm. the Jaeger more of what you taste? Because <laughs> <laughs> you mean the robot? I think toss- I know where you're going. Roman twist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the coffee. Okay, I'll well, go we're going to try that again later and see if it changes. Um, but so you're, you're going to say it's it's got a heavy upfront coffee flavor. Not heavy. Not okay. heavy. Good. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the, the Jaeger's definitely still the, the base of the whole thing, but you can taste a nice uh, coffee up front. Anybody who would like to have a good laugh um, can leave our podcast now and they can go uh, look at the uh, Malort, the Jepsons Malort uh, holiday video. I sent it out to the boys in the podcast here and uh, we'll add it to the notes. We'll add add it to the notes. Fantastic. That's a, that's a good thing because you know, this is, we live in a time right now where everybody likes the Fernet and what people don't realize is that, you know, Jägermeister is the uh, American university version of Fernet. Um, you can't really, you, you can't really get into a, a hazing crime unless you've got Jaeger in your system. <laughs> I, I know that, I know that Mr. Mecklefresh has committed a few. <laughs> university crimes. If you go to a party and there's not some uh, Jägermeister in the freezer, on ice, you better just leave right then. It's not going to be a good party. <laughs> I get a bottle of Jägermeister in my freezer that's been there for probably 25 years. Oh. It's got nice. an infinite shelf life, though. I think you're safe. I'm pretty yeah. sure it tastes exactly the same as the day it went in. Mm-hmm. I think it tastes exactly the same as Robitussin. <laughs> well, you know, that was a good way to start the evening. I have a couple shots of Robitussin. Yeah. <laughs> And some Jägermeister. <laughs> Make up a batch of Windex, which was grain alcohol and raspberry fruit punch mix. All right. Hey, uh, Steve had she? Uh, Hofford had shared his motorcycle. If you guys want to see the actual color of his bike as we also look at other booze. Sure, sure. Yeah. Talk about booze. Yeah, we can talk about booze all night long. That's, that's all right. What we so here's do. Steve's new 500. Are you going to put it up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the right color, dude. Yeah. Oh, is. that's the color. 
and it's the it's got the original pipes, tulip pipes. Those that thing is beautiful. Here's the tank. Look at that. That is gorgeous. Oh, I think you should go get some of that money back. I think you <laughs> may. Have, it's, it's hard to tell with the flash, but you might have a little sun fading on the tank. Has maybe changed the color over the years. With the sun fading on the tank, it makes the brown bikes green and makes the green bikes orange. Yeah. Yeah, but that's I, I would kill somebody for five hundred bucks all day for that bike. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's a yeah. that is a just a very good deal by any standard. That is that. That has white wall, uh, white letter tires on it. It should keep that. It's got Spitfires on the back. Yeah, yeah. white yeah. letter tires, important. And, to have. and it's been carried by the uh, the the greatest little pickup truck in the history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's a lot of vintage Japanese in that picture right there. Yes, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I think that's what that truck was designed for. To be honest with you, that's great, man. That truck is probably only happy with small Japanese motorcycles in the back of it. Chris, yeah. you keep holding your up up, your op up. This is a this is a a bottle of Aquavit. Oh, okay. a, uh, from from Sweden. From Sweden. Sweden. So I keep this in the freezer, and uh, it's a natural spirit that they make there, and mm -hmm. it's uh, hard to get around here. But I got this at Binnie's up in Chicago. What what is it made of? What makes it like it's a spirit? So what's in it? All sorts of shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually don't know. Hold on uh, while I read the fucking bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flavored with spices. I'm sure it's some sort of grain alcohol, but it's, it's I but I had the first time when I was in Sweden, and I thought, huh, there you go. I'll get me a bottle and keep it in the old freezer. Where did you get the uh, the 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 Jaeger uh, coffee one? Is it like a limited edition? Like I think it is, yeah. I I, okay. I got it at my local uh uh, Ohio. Giant Eagle? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The liquor retailer. Yeah. So uh, that's so right. For people who don't live in Ohio, uh, who, some states have very draconian liquor laws where you have to go to a beer store to get beer and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, a package store to get liquor. Well, in Ohio, we have uh, we get our liquor at liquor stores that are state stores. And due to the overwhelming power of money, they've decided that they would make all of the giant eagles of which there are many it's our supermarket and like for people who know tops and stuff like in ohio there was a tops versus giant eagle war and giant eagle won and giant eagles a big fucking grocery store chain and what happened was i think somebody just gave up and said well where should we put liquor stores and they went well why not just put it in walmart and somebody said no we can't put them in walmart that's too obvious and they went well and it's too national. What if we put it in the second biggest chain of stores in the state of Ohio? Sure, let's do Giant Eagle. And so, yeah, it's in the store where you go grocery shopping. And that is the liquor control department for even bars. Like, so our friends who have bars like Porco, they use Giant Eagle as their liquor distribution center. So they oh, really? Everything, yeah. <laughs> but yeah actually, Phil, part of that story is that the state wanted to get out of running the liquor stores right. themselves because they were losing their ass. Um, yep. So then there was a, um, a law passed that companies or, or, you know, local companies could apply for state liquor licenses to be distributors. So um, there's a, a bunch of mom and pop places that were selling beer and wine that, that got them. And Giant Eagle as, as a corporation said, well, 
we got to get on this bandwagon. Yeah. So they actually went out and got it too. So I think it was more Giant Eagle looking for another source of revenue and bringing people into the store rather than the state saying, let's run it through Giant Eagle. That's a, I mean, that is really, and so Dan, talk about the lottery. Talk about the liquor lottery. Um, I just, uh, Steve sent me a thing. I had already signed up for the one for um, all the, um, all the Buffalo Trace antique editions and all the Peppy Van Winkles. There's like five bottles in each collection. Right. The lottery gets you the right to purchase the liquor. Mm-hmm. You don't win. You know, you don't win the liquor. They're not. Right. <laughs> congratulations. Here's a bunch of liquor. But it gives you it gives you the ability to buy it at state store prices. Right. Yeah, they're actually really reasonable prices for Ohio. Yeah. So I signed on. I signed up on that right quick as soon as you guys put that out there. <laughs> um, that's that's really cool. So for people who like having fun liquor, that's a great thing that Ohio does. The because uh, otherwise you wouldn't be able to lay your hands on that stuff. I'm wearing the sweatshirt, by the way, from the Garage Brood Motorcycle Show. Oh, excellent. You like that? Yeah, very nice. So yeah, I got that very good. On. Yeah, very good. So that's a, that is one of those events that, you know, we just found out that there will not be a, a motorcycle show. There won't be a, a motorcycle show in Cleveland for the first time in 20 some God awful years. And uh, because now the shows are outdoors. Yep. But couldn't they just open the doors on the IX center and have it outdoors indoors or yeah, the, literally the building has the largest doors of any building in North America. Right. Exactly. All they would have had to do was open it's the door. Open them up. And then the whole thing becomes the world's biggest awning. So yeah. my take on this is because we have, so Hi, Nick. we have so many fairgrounds. We have so many abandoned giant parking lots, all this stuff. They just hate Cleveland. That's the only that's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Seriously, how many places can you think of in your head that can hold a lot of people outdoors? We have tons. Cleveland of was already on its way out. They just used COVID as an excuse to scratch. Yeah, yeah. I think. Think so? Well, a lot of the big manufacturers haven't shown up to Cleveland, but they've been at the other big city. Right. So, yeah, they were getting smaller and smaller every year, right? Yeah, so yeah. and that's I think we've talked about it before. How yeah. a lot of the majors, you know, BMW <laughs> was hit or miss whether or not they'd be there. Ducati was hit or miss whether or not they'd be there. Right. It was always like, oh well, you know, we're getting the show, but you know, really, New York and Los Angeles, um, they're getting all of the brands. So, pe- brands that didn't want to spend that much money to market themselves would just do two or three big shows per year and they would skip all the smaller shows, the other 12 shows or 13 shows. Coastal um, elites. They yeah, didn't yeah. want to come to the Rust Belt, even yeah. though Ohio is the second most populous motorcycle state in the union, isn't it? It's, it's, we're up there consistently. What you got there? That looks like some wild turkey. Yes, it is. Huh? Also, I would like to, for this podcast, Nick's uh, nickname is Wolfman Nick. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're looking very nice and hairy, Nick. Hold on, Hofford is saying yes. I have to share this for Hofford. This okay, is, share that for Hofford. This is what he is uh, consuming at the moment here. Oh, sure, man. Yeah. So, so he's doing rum better than we're doing rum. Yeah, apparently. So, yeah, yeah. The Zacapa, the twenty-three year, uh, the twenty-three year uh, Zacapa is pretty fantastic. So yeah, I just I I promised him I'd share that. So there it is. Well done. The. So looking at that bike and looking at the crazy deal that Steve got on the CB500, 
It doesn't happen often when you take somebody's price and say, no, I can't pay that. I need to give you more money. Uh, it, it does. I mean, this is a prime example. Like Steve probably couldn't live with himself getting that motorcycle for, you know, 200 bucks and work he couldn't do, you know, because clearly the person selling it just wanted to get rid of the damn thing. Yeah. The, the guy actually said to me, he sent me a text and he said, thank you for being so fair with me. Right. Yeah. And oh, I think I got a good deal on it. So, I you mean, it's a not, fantastic deal on it. It's not fair. It's like it's it would be ripping somebody off yeah. versus getting a good deal. And I mean, I don't have a problem getting a good deal. I don't like stealing something from somebody. Yeah. And you don't want to have to live with that. You don't want to have to feel bad about the bike. And like every time something goes wrong with the bike, it's going to be because you ripped mm -hmm. the guy off. Well, right. it's a, well, the other thing is, too, if that guy finds some other good deal out there or some other neighbor or somebody he knows I'll is getting rid of the bike. Hey, you know, my buddy Steve, you know, he gave me some decent money for my old bike. Yeah. I went back to Steve. Yeah, so, you know, good Ohio, blood. Ohio's not huge. It's nice to be able to, you know, see somebody you did business with and wave and smile yeah. as you go by. Again, you know? <laughs> so do you guys remember when I had those two KZs in the shop and they caused me all kinds of fucking trouble? And then I made a video that basically insulted the entire planet who worships KZ. It's so many views, though. It's done really well for you. And it sold the bike really fast. Like, the two bikes sold instantly. So the guy that bought those bikes, of course, he shipped them back to Japan, which is what you do with <laughs> KZs, you know, if you like money. And so he shipped them back to Japan. Well, he called the shop the other day. And this is talking about how you make a good deal with somebody and stay friends. So, yeah, he called the shop the other day because his buddy in Japan that works with him on the selling end is interested in zero electric motorcycles. So we're going to do a deal and sell them, you know, sell them a zero. So that's fantastic. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't take that guy to the cleaners. I had the price. I had those prices on those bikes for a long time. And it was just a matter of using the internet and knowing that people would be like this. I want to roast this guy because he hates KZ so much or whatever. And then that caused it to go back to him. And it like I showed up on his radar because I got so frustrated dealing with my usual KZ 1000 buyer or KZ 900 buyer. And it was really funny. So it, it was great that he called the other day and he's like, yeah, I, he goes, I see that you also do zeros. And I was like, yeah, that's bring it on, man. That's did, fantastic. Did he see the video that you did? What's that? Did he see the video? Oh yeah. Well, that's how he, that's how he found out about me. So <laughs> one of the people in his circle is like, you know, you're the KZ guy. You know everything about KZs. You got to watch this video, this lunatic who is basically just shitting all over you. <laughs> no, but he's used to that too. If he sells them and deals with them, he's oh, yeah. like that every day, you know? People who deal with bikes on a, on a religious basis, people who deal with bikes every single day. Yeah, we know. I mean, it's, it's part of what you get when you get into this thing. Yep. And it's, yeah. And it's, it's, that's just, that's what you get. That's, that's what happens. So. True motorcycle vampires don't care. They just right. smell the blood and they <laughs> go for it. They latch the John. That's absolutely right. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So uh, anything. So now, of course I see Dan fucked off. So Dan ran away. Well, all these alcohol guys that just ruined the podcast with all the alcohol talk. When we I know they just, they just made it so much worse. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> so well, you had sent Mecklefresh had sent a couple things, and I pulled one up. If you guys yeah. want to see what he was talking about, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the, they have limited information, so there's only this is straight from the horse's mouth, the website itself, and the, all they have is this one picture in this. So, John, I found a I found another article about it, but it was in like. Uh, 
China Indian, and it was difficult to read. Yep. But so Harley is coming out with what they call their future custom models, where it's a stripped down 1250 cc uh, bike that is totally not, and this is John, not me, um, competing with Indian's new flat tracker. So I think they're. Uh, I feel like that bike's trying to get some FTR money. Yeah, it's trying to get some FTR money and it's liquid cooled. Yeah, so. that uh, revolu the new Revolution motor. Mm -hmm. And this isn't really new news. No. They came out with this prototype in 2018, but the news is that it's actually going to go to production. Right. So that, and they're actually, they were talking about a 1250 and maybe even a 970 version of it. Um, oh. That bike, that motor, which is in the Pan America. Right. Is I believe supposed to be 145 horsepower and 90 torques, mm -hmm. 90 uh, pound feet of torques. I, I I just like the fact that they're showing a gaggle of Pan Americans now, and there's only been one. So like now you can <laughs> that they have four. So they've developed four Pan Americans. So now they can put it on their website, which is pretty cool. Right. That and that is and it's also um, it's also fun to see. You know that bike was released in the European market, but not in the United States market. No. And uh, so that's a very interesting thing that they see where their money's coming from. And it's very funny that Harley Davidson made a smart business move. And that said, well, let's, you know, let's not just beat our, you know, step on our dicks here in the United States. Let's release the bike where we're most likely to have the most impact. So look and at that Pan America in the air. Oh, God. Say, can I, can I tell you that this is Photoshopped and this is where the actually we're jumping from is right about here. It look like a pretty clear case of Photoshop, but more importantly, it does look like a 1953 vacuum cleaner just fell out of the sky. <laughs> is it like a rule that Harley Davidson's have to weigh a hundred pounds more than a similar bike? 100 pounds. Let's see what this bike actually weighs. Well, uh, when I read about that, um, the custom, that was 513 pounds. The cut, now that would, that would be a very, very light, light Harley Davidson. They got no specs on this. I was curious about the Pan American. The Street Rod 750 is over 500 pounds. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, you know, uh, they're no, they're, they're no stranger to the bathroom scale over there at Harley Davidson. Um, they're not, they're not skipping any portions. Uh, they, that front looks like the Honda Elite. <laughs> and, that, and that's not a, not, not a good comment. It's just, it's, just it's very Battlestar Galactica to me. Yeah. Extremely yeah. heavy on the Cylon. Yeah. Cylon, the yeah. old school Cylons. Yeah. So well, anybody, it, it, who, do, who do they think they're going to sell this thing to? Because I, I feel like if you want an adventure bike, you're not going to Harley Davidson for no. it. Well, and hold on. I, I mean, as, as was evident with like the Ulysses, they had a great adventure bike sitting yeah, in their did. showrooms yep. and couldn't fucking sell the thing no. because they didn't want to sell the thing. And you're right. And, and Dan, that's a big deal too, because I was heavy. I mean, I've owned two um, Buell uh, uh, M2 Cyclones which is two more than any normal human should own of an M2 Cyclone. But I was that guy who was like, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I really fucking loved M2 Cyclones. I thought they were really good bikes. And I even had like a thing that I would do to them to make them the way I liked them. And that is just like, when I think about, uh, when I think about well, how fucked up Harley Davidson made that whole relationship with Buell 
and how it was barking up the wrong tree because nobody at the Harley Davidson dealership gave a shit about going fast or, you know, having wheelies or anything else. And it's a shame because had Eric Buell made the same arrangement with Yamaha or Kawasaki or anybody else, they would have not had to kick that fence over, you know, to, to get past the guys coming in that the only thing they cared about was how long their wallet chain was. And, and didn't they fuck him over twice? Like, didn't he kind of like evade yeah. the path and they were like, no, no, come back and we'll take care of you. And they were, you know, a little of this. Yeah. And- you guys listen to the misfits podcast. If you don't listen to the misfits podcast, please do because Liza did a great job. She got Eric, you know, they're coming up on their 400th episode over at the misfits. So they're really pulling out all the stops. Um, that's an organ term. So if you like handling your organ, you might know about that term. The, uh, that misfits are pulling out. They've got the Eric Buell interview is a wonderful interview. And it really gives you a lot of insight into how far ahead of things he was and how inappropriately matched he was with Harley Davidson, but you got to pay the bills, man. You know, Yeah, but I, I, I just don't understand who they think is going to buy this because if you're looking for an adventure bike, uh, you're either going to go with BMW, right. you might go with like a Versus, yep. you might even go like Ducati, because if it's spendy, why wouldn't you just go with like a Multistrada or something? Well, because here, you know supposedly, I mean? they have five variants that are based on that motor. Uh, there's the Pan America, there's that Custom, mm-hmm. then there's also a Street Tracker, a uh, the Bronx. bike, and I don't know if that's what's called the Bronx. Yeah, but the Bronx is not supposed to go into production yet. Right. But I that custom is that. supposed to go into production in 2021. Okay. The All street, right. Uh, the street tracker, uh, it, you know, uh, my comment was it doesn't even look, it doesn't look nearly as nice as an XR1200. Right. And it had this weird plastic fucking, it looks like a radiator, but it's just a plastic splash pan, like right up in the front of it. It looks yeah. really you not know, good. To answer Dan's question, who's going to buy the Pan America? So there's, I would say out of real adventure riders, I mean, there's probably like 10 or 15% that actually are using the GSAs and stuff like that for what they're worth. So a lot of Harley guys that like wanted the adventure bike ended up buying GSAs. And those are the ones that you see in front of Starbucks and all these places with, you know, whatever (laughs) stickers on them. So now you have the option of buying a Harley adventure bike that they can now ride to Starbucks and sit, you know, with their Harley buddies and they don't, They don't get out, outlanded or out, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be stealing any any market from the other big adventure bike uh, companies. This this is just an adventure bike for those who, when they think motorcycle, they think Harley Davidson. You right. know, I, I, I would never buy, buy one anything. because why would I buy one of those when I can just ride Steve's Africa Twin? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if there's a certain degree of irony here because the guys who actually would buy the Panamera, the Panamerica, can't buy it right now because they're still making payments on their live wire. <laughs> and because that's the only guy that I see is the actual buyer. The actual buyer for the Panamerica probably is still making payments on his live wire. And you know what's funny is Harley fucked up so bad that they should redo this and make it look like the live wires, but just put the motor in it so they could say, well, Charlie and Ian rode a version of this bike when they come in asking for those bikes that they had on the show that they don't actually manufacture or just redo the show again next year. Yeah. But But they'll do it on these bikes and they can do it in seven days, nine days. They can say, well, we've already done that. So we're moving on to this now. Right. Do you guys see them ever coming out with the long way up, like the, the off-roading pipe wire version of it? 
ever? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that what every company does is they, they bring a product out, they try to sell it. And if the sales are mediocre, and if there's a way that they can alter the bike a, a little bit, spend not that much money to make the bike totally different that's personality. True. So that's where Scramblers came from. Scramblers came mm-hmm. from in the 70s, when sales got slow, they turn a lot of motorcycles that were supposed to be street bikes. They turn them into scramblers just to kick the sales in the ass again. So you had two versions of the same bike. It's a very cheap way to get a whole different market in, you know? That's true. Yeah. Hey, uh, so Mechelfresh had sent this over. Did you guys see this at all? Phil, you might know this company a little bit. Let me, uh, Oh, my eyes. Uh, yeah. So CF Moto is coming out with their own adventure bike, which actually looks kind of like an Africa Twin Meta BMW. Yeah. Well, what it, I mean, so we, we announced this in our podcast about six months ago that uh, CF Moto had signed a deal with KTM. Yeah. And uh, to put that in correct terminology, CF Moto had agreed to take on the KTM name. And what you get there is you get a little peanut butter in your chocolate and a little chocolate in your peanut butter. Because CF Moto has more money than God and more market share, like the number of bikes they sell per year is astronomical, but it doesn't hurt them to have some of that delightful Austrian or, you know, that, that Scandinavian KTM rubbed on them um, as opposed, and it makes you, you know, not think about the, uh, the Chinese, the Chineseium so much. So this is basically a KTM 790 that yeah. they are rebadging as a proprietary MT-800 mm-hmm. under the CF Moto name that they plan right. on right. releasing. Or you could yeah, buy a CF, or you buy a CF Moto is, that's badged as a KTM. Right, right. Seat on that bike actually looks fairly low for an ADV bike. It does. It looks like you're sitting in it, kind of like the GSAs where you sit yeah. down in them. Yeah. So what, I wonder what they're pricing. What do you guys find from the? I did not see anything regarding what the MSRP would be on it. I couldn't. And, find and I guess the big question is, is it going to be less than a KTM because it's a Chinese brand, or is it going to be? You know what I mean? Like, where does the price going to come in? It's well, essentially a KTM 790. Yeah. So where does that go? I don't think they can go too low because that would punch KTM in the dick. And if they're making their bikes, they can't piss off that relationship, right? Oh, they can. Yeah, they totally can. <laughs> in, in fact, that's exactly it. It's like, you it know, looks like they're doing that already. I right. mean, you know, we pay, you know, we gave you the design. Right. We designed the bike, you know, and, and engineered it. We're having you make it. And now all of a sudden you mysteriously are going to launch it as your own bike. What it is. Yeah. And it's, that's what happens with branding where you end up with, you know, in very small letters, it says CF Moto designed by KTM in giant letters on the side of the tank. And they make sure to paint it orange, you know, uh, not designed in Austria. That's the world China. we live in right now. Well, how many people have seen BMW motorcycles with those Kimco motors in them? And then understood that those Kimco motors are actually not made in Taiwan in Kimco. They're made in China, Kimco. So those BMW motorcycles have Chinese Kimco motors. Don't say Rotex because that's Austrian, right? So we're, we're having the wafting odor of an Austrian motor using that term Rotex inspired motor that has not ever been to Austria and doesn't have the word Rotex anywhere on it. Yet on the side covers, they've got a design emblem that looks very much like the Rotex logo. 
Which is interesting because usually when you get a wafting sensation, it's coming from a Janus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More of the Janus. That was 52 minutes without one of those jokes. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> we, we, we decided that it's, the Janus is just going to be a whole spin-off podcast. We're, gonna have the we're not going to even do that on this podcast. <laughs> That's going to be a separate show. Uh-huh. All of its own. Yep. Brought, brought to you by Janus. 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 <laughs> Our called- friends in Indiana. You're Janus. You're Janus. And the... <laughs> when we're when we're looking at that look motorcycles now they come from wherever it's cheapest to build them and whatever component on that motorcycle comes from wherever it's cheapest to source it so it's really hard now to say that okay this motorcycle is all american or this motorcycle is all italian because mm-hmm. It's not like there are going to be boxes that get opened up and those parts are going to be put onto that motorcycle, you know, in the assembly process. So, I mean, hanging your hat on something and saying, oh, well, this thing is, you know, until it turns into automotive industry where it says this, this vehicle is 83% made in America or 62% made in America, which I don't have a problem with that. I'm okay with that sort of truth in advertising. Let people know where this shit comes from. Nothing wrong with that. Um, if that's important to you as a buyer, you know, if that makes a difference to you, uh, did anybody get to see the picture I put on Instagram of the very stately red scooter I picked up the other day? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So this is something that, that is, that is worth talking about because that this is a, a 1999 Honda Helix. Okay. Well, let's see um, it. Throw it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send a picture somewhere. We'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. I can figure this out. I'll send a picture over to Steve and then he can put it up. How's that? All right. The Parker oh, Lounger on two wheels. It really, really is. And so what, you know, people here have had helixes. I mean, Heli. Um, we, we know that they are very nice motorcycles for people of a certain age. And they're not the kind of thing that, um, that young people go after in particular. And they are the kind of thing that appeals to a very, very small market segment. And that market segment is getting smaller and smaller and smaller all the time. And since COVID came out, that market segment's positively diminishing. Uh, The Honda Helix, I mean, uh, you know, misquote me if you will, but that's a motor scooter from the 80s. Um, You know, Honda did their CH250, which was an elite 250. And that was all the power... And a short wheelbase and real squishy suspension. I right, share um, your screen now. What's that? I'm right, sharing your screen now. If you have, okay. I think I just enabled it. Well, I just sent. I just texted it over to you. So okay, but just yeah, try just make it easier. The uh, anywho, the but this motorcycle, this motor scooter. When this bike came out, the Helix came out. It was loved by old, well, dudes, right? It had a super low seat height. The seat height was really, really fucking low, like super low, crazy low. And its wheelbase was very long. There was no under seat storage. The storage was behind you. And when you were sitting on this thing, you lost sort of an idea of how long it was. And it's a scooter. It's twist and go and a 250cc motor. And it meant that going 75 miles an hour, going freeway speeds was totally okay. 
And what had happened is that bike had been around since the late 80s. I mean, so Honda had had their fun with it. They made a lot of fucking money on it. And they had decided that, you know, no fuel injection, the 250 motor that was in there, they really weren't looking at taking that design and making it modern, okay? And that's a Helix, okay? That's and a great shape. So when you look at these Heli, take a look at the color of this. It's a very, very bright red. It's a very, like, popping, very nail polish, color. Nail polish red. Nail polish red, exactly. And the burgundy ones were earlier. So the burgundy Heli were an earlier generation. Mm -hmm. The story behind these that I find particularly interesting is that Honda had gotten out of the game and moved on to a scooter called the Reflex. And so they had decided that this idea, this design, which had been out since the 80s, it just was just fucking long in the tooth, right? And they were ready for something better and sportier. And if you can pull up a picture of a Honda Reflex 250, you'll see that they are not remotely the same fucking scooter. Like they are not comparable at all. This thing still has the front end. The Helix has the front end of like one of those 80s Yamaha Revo 180s. Like the front end is purely Yamaha Revo 180. And then it's got way too much middle section. And then a back end that happens to have a trunk in the back. Did now, you take your shoes off to sit on that? No, it was I, just no, I just noticed that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you're, you're, you know when you're old enough to ride a Helix, you probably have gout. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> the bad part is I have a reflex and a Helix. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is the reflex. The reflex they started in 2000, 2001, right? And so this thing hit the motorcycle shows in 2000. And as you can see, it's way more modern. It's totally advanced and, and better than the Honda Helix. And the problem was when this thing came out, it doesn't have that ridiculously low seat height. There's actually storage under the seat of the reflex scooter. And there is no storage under the seat of the Helix. That's what makes this fucker so low. So when the Helix was replaced by the reflex, a lot of old men got really, really upset, super upset, so upset that they wrote letters to Honda saying that this new reflex is just a terrible thing. Like they didn't like it because they wanted a helix. The problem was Honda had already reallocated the tooling over to CF Moto and CF Moto was selling the Honda helix as like the charm 250. And I thought it was like a Spitfire or something like that. Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't as like bad that, as yeah. Wildfire and all that madness. That's what it was. CF Moto is a really giant company. And CF Moto will give you KTM quality if you pay for it, or they'll give you China's finest quality if you pay for it, right? And so what had happened was the tooling was already in the hands of the Chinese, but Honda realized they were missing out on market share. They'd killed this thing off too early. And what they should have done is they should have had a little bit of a time where you could get the Reflex and the Helix all controlled by Honda. What Honda had done is they had made an agreement with CF Moto to build some of these bikes, put Honda badging on them, and they sold them out of Honda dealers as Hondas, right? And the trick is looking at the plastics. So when you look at the plastics on it, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three quarters of a million dollars paid in EPA fines, right? That that's what happens when you aren't caring anymore. That's when selling the bikes is more important than doing it correctly. Um, Honda probably wouldn't be really happy paying three quarters of a million dollars in EPA fines because you're bringing something into the country that hasn't been correctly EPA certified, right? 
Well, my question to you, Phil, yeah. is that have you written a Mobius versus a Helix? A Mobius? You know what a Mobius is? No. That's a Yamaha. Yeah, but it's it, it's like uh, it's like a, a rounded off version of the Helix, but it's got the same low seed. It's got it looks like Spock's casket. <laughs> oh, that's the Morphus. Morphus. I'm sorry. Morphous. Yes, that's the Morphus. Sorry, yeah. that's the Morphus. So that's the Yamaha Morphus, and that's a 250 cc scooter as well. And I freaking love them. Uh, pull up a picture of the Yamaha Morphus. I'll entertain the troops while you do that. The Yamaha Morphus stole its taillights from a Cadillac. <sighs> so the back end of a Yamaha Morphus, the CP250, is directly stolen from a Cadillac Seville. And when you see that thing lit up at night, it is like liquid sex. Um, that is one of those scooters that I will admit I have got a guilty pleasure soft spot for that ridiculous dumb scooter that you're seeing on your screen right now. Um, the well, Yamaha- people like to uh, slam the uh, back ends down too. Yes, and, and you're right. Real low. Hey, uh, Dan, Dan, that particular, you remember when that Morphus showed up at the Cincinnati rally that was slammed to the ground? Yes. That thing, and it was like, it was Barney the Dinosaur. Yeah, purple, slammed, and there was a green one that was also slammed and had air suspension under it or electric suspension on it. Fantastic. Looked great. And you're right. It looked like a casket. The, yeah. the seating on those, I mean, I've, I've, I've ridden the uh, the Helix, and it's it's not a one-to-one as a regular scooter. The seating position and the, the, the panel bar, I mean, it's it's goofy. <laughs> Even trying to do like a, like a U-turn on those things, good luck with that, because that's just not going to happen. It's kind of like the recumbent bicycle of scooters. Yeah, it is the recumbent yeah. bicycle of scooters. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, panel bars are more like a tiller. If what? you take all the bodywork off of a Helix, it's an awesome little, like, crazy chopper. Oh, I haven't seen him. Ready oh, really? Yeah. Now, stop me if I'm wrong. The engine in the Helix ended up in the big ruckus for the yeah. two years so, they that, correct? Uh, well, the re- well, the reflex, I think the reflex and the big ruckus are the, the same exact drivetrain. I mean, they're, they're, their part numbers are interchangeable. Uh, the Helix, uh, the CN250, that did go over to the Chinese. And so that CH250 and CN250, uh, what Steve will tell you, one of our favorite things about that motor is you can adjust the valves from the outside. Little levers. Yeah, it's one of the most brilliant setups. Uh, it, it makes you wonder when you see that why all low power or low performance motorcycles or medium performance motorcycles don't have this feature that you can adjust the valves from the outside of the motorcycle. That's Aaron. Somebody's turned into a dog. Yeah. Happy summer guy. <laughs> the full moon and grumpy sewer guys just turned into a werewolf of some sort. Uh, I think the I think the GoPro is around the animal's neck right now looking at Steve. <laughs> so um, so anyway, I've got that motorcycle. I got that scooter at the shop and it's hilarious. But every like once a day I'll go over and I'll sit on it just to sit on it. And you do feel incredibly uncool. So like the second you get on that bike, if you're ever feeling like your ego is getting away from you, oh, that'll be more grounded, go sit on that. 
And Renee took a, po- a picture of it and put it on the Instagrams. And it's one of those things that it's just like, you, you know, I'm on the wrong side of 50 and it's, you just don't feel your age as bad as when you're sitting on a helix and you know that there's nothing that you can do to ride that particular bike and look cool. It, it, it's done. It, it kills cool. And to make it more uncool, actually that, that for that one, I think they do sell the kit for making the Akira bike out of that thing. And I wasn't sure if it was for the helix or for the reflex where they did the Akira kit. Because I think it was the helix that they did the, the kit for that, but it's, and I think they have one for what's the motorcycle that kind of looks like that too, the Honda, the M something, the NM4. NM4. I think yeah. I have a kit for that as well. Or the the mm-hmm. Honda DV8. Um, that's yeah. It's the same bike, but with more more anal. The uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's look. We're gonna get back to that. I just. <laughs> Just it comes back, man. I just fucking hate it. I hate it so bad. I feel so bad because the guys who run that company are so cool and so squared away. That was a great podcast. I mean, it, that interview was. Yeah, as much as we've, as much, yeah, as much as we've made fun of the uh, the Janus, um, you know, because of the name, the bike, the guys were cool. What was yeah. that? About, that was about what fifteen podcasts ago or something. It was great, and I and yeah. again, I can't, I can't say anything bad about mm-hmm. their product but the name and i mean it's like it's not fuddruckers where they made a silly name and intentionally to have a silly name that would be like (laughs) you know um or you know pulpetto with let's put our balls in your mouth like that kind of thing like all that stuff is intentionally risque whereas janus is just well, no, there's only, most people just think it was Janus. It's just us. Uh, like the, it, you have to be on <laughs> yeah. It's only funny to people like us, man. That's so the rest of the world's totally okay with it? Fine. It's not a skill, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to believe assholes. <laughs> I refuse to believe that the rest of the world is okay with Janus. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it got them this far. <laughs> Uh, your bike is number what? 300 and <laughs> 67, 367 bikes in. No, actually, you know what? They, they posted something today that they built uh bike number 500 something. Hey, Marge, what was the number on that bike today? 587. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Crest, they've crested a milestone there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that if they would have gone for a slightly different name, they would have called it something like the sphincter <laughs> um, or like the sphinxer with like a sphinx, like a sphinx in Egypt. They <laughs> should have called it the splinter. That's a nice throwback to track board racing. It is thing. The splinter. splinter. That's right. Been fucking That's good. Right. Yep. yep. But what, what was the four wheeled motorcycle we saw at uh, Ampo? The cooter. Ooh. The cooter. <laughs> the cooter. <laughs> the that cooter. was strong. <laughs> oh man um you know some woman shows up in my shop and says i you i need you to look at my cooter <laughs> I, I don't know why but my cooter is covered in oil and i can't figure <laughs> out <laughs> it's leaking it's been dripping and here we go <laughs> spot on the floor where my cooter Sits. Oh, Since I change oil, I've had a smelly cooter, and it's been. I, think I should just show you guys my pussy instead. <laughs> I have a strange vibration in my cooter. 
Get up. <laughs> Something smells funny with my cooter. <laughs> I seem to have dropped something into my cooter and I can't find it. <laughs> oh no. You know, uh, if that cooter shows up the shop, we might find your 10 millimeter wrench. <laughs> <laughs> I think those, those are going to be there. My cooter. <laughs> my cooter. The, uh, now on a, on a slightly different topic, the, uh, we did have a 19, uh, Oh goodness! I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the date right on this coming coming back on me. Uh, we had somebody bring in a 1996 uh, interceptor, ah. and I'm going to say that I on one of these nice days that we had, well, two days ago, it was it was cold but clear. Mm-hmm. I took it out for a ride, and this thing has uh, 68,000 miles on it. Wow. Yeah, and I, what's that? It's seasoned a little. It's seasoned. A little I gotta say, it's been it has been lovingly maintained its entire life, and uh, it came in for basic service. Nobody would touch it because of its age, and I figured, well, we'll we'll take a stab at it because you got a bunch of miles on it. It's not like it's sat and dried out. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I took it out for a run, and I was like, this is just a good motorcycle. It's just a very good, legit motorcycle. And so many of the V4s are weird and, you know, if you, you just can't let them dry out. You just, please don't let your motorcycles dry out. It is the absolute worst thing. Um, what brings this to mind is I want all of our listeners to make a promise if your motorcycle has carburetors to go to www.puregas.org. Click on the name of your state and then look for the name of your city and it will tell you the places that you can purchase actual real gasoline that doesn't contain ethanol. And if you own a motorcycle with a carburetor, you owe it to yourself over the course of the cold season when you're not riding so much to put real fucking gas in that thing. Um, If the weather's good around you, take a trip, take a, you know, sojourn out into the delightful weather that we have before it turns into pure hoth and go ride your bike and burn the gas out of it and go get some real honest to God gas in there before you put it up for the winter. Even if the octane's not right, I'd rather see wrong octane than a shit ton of ethanol. And that was one of the things that this guy who brought the bike in, and like I said, a 96, um, he's, he swears by, it. he's like, yeah, he goes, I don't ever run any ethanol in this bike, which you think about it. That's like riding an electric motorcycle. That means you can only get fuel at certain places. That means that like, you're not just running on regular gas. This is puregas.org. And you can click on that. There's all the states along the bottom. And this is for podcast listeners anywhere in the 50 states. And sometimes they're boat marinas. So you might have to call them and see if they're open in the wintertime. Um, my favorite one is Edgewater Marina here in Cleveland. They're open year round. And yeah, it looks, it feels a little weird to pull up to a boat dock on your motorcycle. But most of these places have got tons of hose. They'll roll it right out to your bike and you can fill up or fill up a few gas cans, you know, in your, uh, Marina, your Marina, yacht club, Marina, Marina. Yeah. A lot of them are yacht clubs and marinas, but pay attention to that third column. You'll see in the third column, they have octanes printed. Mm-hmm. So some of these will have like, uh, 89, 90 and 91. Some of them will just have race gas. So you'll see that some of them just have 110 octane. 
So that's literally, that's probably something adjacent to a quarter mile track or a racetrack that's selling the 110 race gas. Cinch, go to Strongsville. Yeah, if you go down to Strongsville. <laughs> yeah. So you scroll down there to Strongsville. Yep. And you'll see there's the Marathon Station. The Marathon Station has the 90 octane. I get it there quite a bit. Um, you're going to pay more than you will normal pump prices. So if regular gas is like $229 a gallon, then on this, you're probably going to be paying $329 a gallon. So you're paying a buck. Yeah, you're paying, you're paying more money, but I'm going to tell you, you're buying a very little bit of it, and it's not going to go bad after 90 days. Which doesn't make any sense anyway, because it's only it's 10% more gas. Right, exactly. It shouldn't yeah. really be that much more. It should be 10% more. No, but most of these places are, they're carrying it. It's a specialized product. They're not going through 5,000 gallons of it every week. So they're going through a very small amount of it. A lot of these places too, you'll see they're adjacent to an airport or they're adjacent to a boat dock. Right. When it comes to boat anything, you know the rule with boats, triple the price, double the price, boat people will pay it. But you know what? Like Chardon oil Oil carries 100% gas. And I think it's 91 or something. And so many people go there, it's worthwhile for them to carry it. Like, you know what I mean? So many people go there. I'll tell you a little trick about Chardon oil, like the actual Chardon oil in Chardon, because there's Chardon oil outlets around. The pumps in front of the store at Chardon oil have ethanol. It's the pump around back that has the non-ethanol fuel. So everyone thinks that the pumps in front of the shop have no ethanol in them. No, remember the ethanol is there to make a little bit of gas into more gas. It's for profit. And so the pumps in the front of the place do have ethanol in them. They're standard, normal Ohio blend. But in the back of the shop, that's where the pumps are that have no ethanol. And they have to. They have to say, so like when I go to the one that's downtown shard, not the big place, but the other one. Right. There are a bunch of pumps, but then there's one in the back and it says in a thing, 100% gas. Like it's right. No ethanol. Yeah, right. Yeah. So on bikes like this that have carburetors on it, I don't, I mean, I, I love you guys and I want you to do all your normal winter storage stuff. We're not going to burn a podcast telling you what we've been telling you for 11 years, um, how to winterize your bike. But step fucking one is if you have carburetors, get freaking ethanol free fuel in those. We started doing it last year. It made the bikes start up so much easier in the springtime. It reduced the number of carburetors we had to clean dramatically. So that's a, that's a big thumbs up from somebody who last year, you know, we had 55 or 60 bikes come out of winter storage and, you know, about 30 of those were carbureted and we got away with it last year. Last year was awesome because we didn't have 30 carburetors to clean. And if you don't think that normal gas can clog shit up quick, I got that free snowblower, right? And I had to clean the carb. It was only nine months old. That dude bought it, put gas in it, never ran it. Within nine months, it clogged a brand new, like never run carburetor. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we looked at that, uh, that bike that we did that had no miles on it. It was a bike straight from the crate, 15 years old. And the amount of damage that was done inside that motor because of the, the fuel in it and all the seals were cracked out and rotted and busted up. Like every piece of rubber inside that bike had to be replaced. It was destroyed because it had done virtually no miles, but it had, it had been filled with ethanol gas. That was that fireball. Yeah. The fireball. Yeah unbelievable how bad that was. I mean, that was one of those ones that if, if I would have told you that the bike was literally taken from the crate to see how terrible it was inside of that thing, uh, just shocking. So really, really bad. Did you have to do a motor rebuild on that? Total. Absolutely. There was, there was, we, I mean, we replaced the crank because you should, 
Um, mm-hmm. Replace the crank. We did a lot of other things to, to make it better. But the most important thing was that every single piece of rubber in that motor was shit. It was just garbage. And that's because even in the protection of being in the crate for 15 years, doesn't matter. It was awful. And that motor was really hard to get apart. Like that motor had essentially glued itself together. It's really tough to do. Well, all it takes is, uh, all it takes is that eating up one seal on these two-stroke scooter motors and you've screwed the pooch. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, absolutely. you're pulling the engine, you're rebuilding the engine, and, and, and that's an interesting thing we get down here is that, you know, people bring in a beautiful-looking scooter, and you start doing work on it, and it'll start pissing oil or, you know, any number of things, and you, you try to explain to them. You're like, yeah, it looks great, but your seals are all fucked. we got to rebuild your motor. <laughs> well, and, and it's... You know, and push and Harley Davidson's that have push rod tubes. So if you get a Harley Davidson's got push rod tubes on the side of the motor, I'm going to tell you half of those things were leaking in the crate from the factory. Like that is a very, very popular place for those things to show their age. And it's very uncommon for us to see a Harley come in with push rod tubes on the side of the motor where they're not leaking because our motors, our bikes do tend to sit for three or four months a year. And that is one of those things that you know, if you haven't budgeted that in, if you think, well, I'm going to buy this Harley for $5,000 and just go ride it and have fun. Well, think about those items that you may have to build into the cost of buying that bike or the cost of maintaining that bike, because it can add up so fast. Uh, It's crazy how much money you can end up spending on a bike that seems like a great deal. Uh, Our buddy, Tom Pennington, just pulled in on trade like a 1981-ish, 82-ish Yamaha SR500. And that's a kickstart-only bike. And it's a bike that if you don't read the owner's manual, you will have no chance and shit of starting it. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a procedure to starting an SR500. It involves sacrificing one small chicken or a bucket of KFC. Um, You have to do it right. And if you don't do it right, if you just turn the key on, turn the gas on, pull the choke and start booting it, it is not going to start. And the SR500s were a motorcycle that was being sold to people without an electric starter, even though electric starters had been invented nearly 100 years earlier. Um, It was some crazy thing that somebody came up their head like people might want to have a motorcycle that hardly ever starts. Well, it could have been part of the, you know, like the Honda Ascot has an electric starter, but it's problematic (laughs) because they didn't really have a good way to put an electric starter on that, on a 500cc thumper. Mm -hmm. There are challenges with that. And so they just said, no, we'll just have kickstart only. We won't have to do this weird solenoid sprag clutch lock-in engagement fucking system that is also a nightmare. Right. And that's, and that's something, there's something to be said. On that note, though, I did want to say, uh, Chris, make sure you don't let your anus dry out. (laughs) (laughs) Always sage words. (laughs) Sage advice there. So has anybody here owned a kickstart only, a motorcycle that can only be started by kicking it? Like, that is the only way to get that bike started. So raise your... Do uh, scooters count? Yeah, absolutely scooters count. Right it doesn't have a button to make it go. So raise your hand. I mean, that's the majority of us. I mean, a lot of us have owned motorcycles where the boot is the only way to make it go. And short of the boot, we all know that the best thing 
when a motorcycle doesn't start is bump starting it. Like, because that adds a, a degree of spectacle to it. And, you know, more people will watch you bump start a bike than kickstart a bike. I still think the, the compression release on my XT250 is a perfect device. Is that got an automatic compression release? Yes. Tell people how that works because that's important. It, it, uh, unlo- it takes the compression off the cylinder when you're uh, when instead of kicking it hard, like like normally when you start a bike without a compression release, you get it to the top TDC and then kick it through TDC. And <coughs> this bike, if you you don't want to do that, you just want to just easily push down on the the starter. And it releases the compression, and it just goes right through the cycle, and it starts right up. I mean, it's amazing how well it works. If you kick it hard, it will not start. If you <laughs> kick it softly, it'll start every time. So, so with many motorcycles that have a compression release lever, you'll see either a, a, a twisty thing that looks like an additional choke, Mm-hmm. on the bike or you'll see what looks like a short lever like a, a, an additional clutch lever that's hiding underneath it and what that does is it simply operates a cable that goes down and opens a plunger that is adjacent to the exhaust valve on the motorcycle and allows there to be no compression in the top end so you can kick the kick the engine over freely now on steve's bike does do you have to activate mm-hmm. that lever or does it just detect that the piston speed is very low no, just the text that the piston speed is low. So it has a cam that has a weight on it. And if the if the kickover is slow, then the cam stays in a uh, sort of a retarded position so that it detects that it's in a kicking thing and that it does not um, allow the valve to close and let there be compression. When the motor gets enough speed after either a really fast kick or achieving idle detonation, then that cam due to weight centripetal force, that cam moves out and it closes that valve. So that is an automatic operating compression release valve. And that's fucking cool. I mean, that's super cool. And what happens on a lot of bikes that have those is that will get a little corroded or a little rusty because it's not in a particularly good spot for being lubed up and they'll hang up. Or like Steve says, dudes will get on there and kick the bejesus out of them and they'll just kick the shit out of it, which will allow that thing to throw out and, and close the valve, which gives you full compression. Kicking something at full compression is not fucking easy. And on vehicles that have compression release valves like that SR 500 and like the, um, the Ascot and stuff like those motorcycles, they have to have a compression release valve because you're dealing with a very large piston, a large volume of stuff with just your dainty little fucking getaway stick, you know, pushing on the pedal. So would you rather have, like, I remember it wasn't my bike, but I had a buddy that had one that it was a 500 something where mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't automatic. You just pushed it in when you were kickstarting it and you had to flip it to close it or whatever. Right. You did it automatically once you did yeah. it. My brother's XR 600 had both. So oh. it had a cable on the Kickstarter. So when you engage the Kickstarter and I, I don't, you know, I didn't look at it really close, but I suspected something where, at the top of the stroke, it was decompressed. As soon as you started pushing it, the cable was decompressing it, but then released at the bottom. You know what I mean? Like, so it only would close the valve when you were right at the bottom of the stroke, and it would start the motor. But it also had a lever, so you could you could do it either way or both ways. Hmm. But yeah, 
I like the, I like being able to do it myself because that makes it really easy for the bump start. Put it in gear, grab the compression release, push it, let it go, flip, 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 and then just dump that compression release and they start up. So with the Yamaha, it was kind of funny. On the, on the side of the head of the Yamaha, they had a window. They had a little plastic or glass window. Yeah, that was my, my XT500 was that way, yeah. which is, I think, basically the same motor that's in it that is. SR500. They're the exact same motor. Focus Stop you. cover your camera. <laughs> Seriously, Oscar's Oscar's got like Oscar's autofocus is jacked up. <laughs> that bokeh, he's looking for the ladies, man. He is so <laughs> he's got that Sybil Shepherd moonlighting, little Vaseline on the filter. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get a few more we're gonna get a few more years on Oscar. Are you 25? How old are you? You're so oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> gonna put a little shoe polish in his beard. Are you beating off off camera? <laughs> no, <laughs> steaming up the camera. That's one. All right. Yeah, you get a little sp- you get a little spewy on your camera lens. The uh, I w- use this laptop for everything, folks. Everything. <laughs> but like with that Yamaha, it was literally you would you would hold the decompression lever and you would kick the motor over slowly until in the window you would see a little silver tick. And there was a little silver tick mark in there. And that was the point. Once you had that set up, that you'd release the decomp lever and mm. you'd give it a nice boot. And you give it a good boot. And that was the only place in hell you had a chance of starting that motor. Mm. And if you didn't have that indicated, then you were not on the compression stroke. And, you know, for people who aren't familiar with the way motorcycles that have valves work, with a two-stroke... It's every fucking kick. So every fucking kick on a two-stroke, you're on the compression stroke. It is not, a, there, there's not a lot of thought involved with it. You turn the gas on, you pull the choke, you make sure the key's turned on, and you boot the fucker. And a two-stroke will give you something until it breaks your ankle, right? It, it's going yeah, to be- I, I, I have the same problem with my moped, so I have to have also that compression lever just to- <laughs> Because the moped is the only yeah. device. Because yeah. the moped, the moped <laughs> doesn't give you a Kickstarter. The moped makes you actually pedal, pedal. but it does have a little pedal compression. in motion or pedal on the center stand. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why mopeds are reserved for fourteen-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> and Oscar. <laughs> the first kicker I ever had was my XL five hundred R. Yeah thing was a beast and i was in the garage one time and i was kicking it with the garage door open yeah and backfired and it threw me up and i smashed my head on the garage door and i was laying on the ground like i mean i was like seeing stars and my grandpa was standing there and he's like are you dead because <laughs> <laughs> it threw me right off the bike <laughs> i have had a number i you know my first sportster was a kickstart only sportster um, and my first Harley Davidson I ever put together was a WLA. So that's a world war two era Harley Davidson. And the WLA was very forgiving. It, you know, it's a 750 CC V twin. It wasn't particularly evil when it would kickstart, but the fucking sportster, the, 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 the fucking res- the results of kickstarting that sportster is like 30% of the time you got a all express paid trip next to the bike. And it, it, like that bike had a number of things that were absolutely bad about the design. I do not understand how Sportsters secured a place in history as bad as those bikes were. Mm-hmm. And 
I also don't understand how it didn't just create a number of people with sidecar rigs because that would fuck your leg up. Like a sportster would straight up legit fuck your leg up. So bad deal if you're into vintage Harley Davidsons and stuff and you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to go buy a vintage sporty because they're cheap. Be careful. If you buy a vintage sportster that doesn't have electric start, you have earned everything you've signed up for. <laughs> not, not cool. You know, it's a handful. And on its best day, it's a handful. You just gave Cam a bunch of material. <laughs> <laughs> he does like the Harley Davidsons, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, he definitely swings that way. But the uh, the weirdest thing that happens with scooters uh, with, with some small two-stroke engines is if they're timed just wrong, if your timing has shifted, uh, they will run backwards. Mm. And uh, I've been present for this. Um, I've never had it happen to myself with a bike underneath me, but I have watched it happen. And what that generally means is the timing just gets off enough that instead of firing on the rotational stroke, you know, when you kick it and it doesn't fire, it goes dug -a -dug -a -dug -a -dug -a -dug, and then there's some latent compression there and it kicks it back. And when it kicks it back, the air fuel mixture is so rich from you like ham-fistedly trying to start this thing that when your compression fires back through the piston and the piston goes the wrong way, your now reverse timing is retarded enough to get good detonation and the sons of bitches will run backwards. And I have seen it and I've also watched it where people were like, oh, it's finally running. Great. Put it into gear and let the clutch out and go backwards. <laughs> you can't ride out of that. There is no like, oh, I got this. <laughs> if you've ever tried to back a bike out of a trailer on a ramp, if you've ever tried to back a bike down a ramp, your whole world is wrong. It's just the wrongest thing ever. Trying to control a motorcycle going backwards and like leaning and turning and steering, can't do it. I, can, I cannot do it. <laughs> and I'm a fairly adept low-speed motorcycle operator. But going backwards, even for like five feet down a ramp, I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to wad it up. It's going to be a mess every single time. So when the motorcycle is actually running backwards and propelling you backwards, all bets are off. There's no way. Yeah, no way, man. Now, a uh, scooter stop, a starting top tip. If you've kicked your uh, scooter about 15 times, vintage scooter, and it doesn't start, <laughs> make sure no one unplugged your spark plug on you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic trick. I've been at, I've been at plenty of places, and uh, my buddy Noah he he loves doing it. And you can reach your hand up just right and get in there and pop the spark plug off without even taking the cap off. Yeah, yeah. Just just and you sit there and kick and kick and kick, and you're like, "What the fuck's wrong with this thing?" You're checking everything. <laughs> yep. I can contest that some assholes do that to keep drunk people from driving things. I'm just saying. All the time. <laughs> just saying. Only after you've wrecked eight times. That's true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Only when you're completely drunk and you're on your way to barrel racing. <laughs> you know, uh, the one night James was so drunk that we had to do that. Um, James was so blasted. Um, I've never, I've, I've actually very rarely seen him that blasted and I had disabled his bike. So I pulled the spark plug lead off and said, you know, don't anybody let him drive. And he's hard headed enough. James will work like he'll do roadside repairs, but I figured that would give us enough time while he did that shit 
to sober up a little bit. And uh, we'd all fucked off and, you know, whatever, done our thing. And I guess James had convinced John mm. to do a driving test. Or no. did you, how so did he, got, he got the bike running. I'm like, James, just fucking walk home. I kept telling him, just walk home. Well, so he did figure it out. So he figured it out as, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't fucking help him. But then I'm like, you, you, there's no way you should be driving. No. I tell you what, prove to me. I'm like, I want to try to see if I can just make him dump it here in the parking yeah. lot. Get it over and with we, let's push the bike home. I'm like, do a, do a figure eight. He's like, I did a figure eight. No, that wasn't good. Do it again. You know, I made him do it. <laughs> I couldn't. I tried. I tried. And I, but, you know. He got it running on his own. Nobody told him nothing. And I even tried to make him crash in the parking lot. <laughs> so you, he earned it. He, earned he it. completely earned it. Yeah. He completely yeah. earned it. I begged him to stay home. I begged him. I'm like, I'll push. I'll walk home with you. I'll push it home. We can just walk. You're only, what, five blocks from your house? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't far from his house. That scooter's gone now. Yeah, that scooter doesn't exist anymore. Well, I mean, it exists. That bike is, you know, so that's a that's a very rare bike. It's a very, um, it's a bike anybody would be thrilled to have in their collection uh, by any standards. Uh, and so that bike was a, a Cervetta 150 runabout in original, you know, green trim. It was a perfect bike. And that bike, that night, he left there and off he fucked trying to find his girlfriend and he ended up in a very, very uh, questionable neighborhood. And unfortunately, at that moment, he was masquerading as James. And because he was masquerading as James, the people in that neighborhood immediately identified him as somebody who needed to both get their ass kicked and have their bike stolen. Mm -hmm. So he got his ass kicked and his bike stolen. And he showed up the next day when we were running the event. And he had the word Timberland actually put into his forehead. So he had Timberland in reverse on his forehead you could read it so that's how bad of a boot to the head he got um not only did he get a boot to the head but he lost his bike gone forever and uh yeah that that's what happens when you if you go out and your bike does like like dan says if your bike doesn't start after 15 kicks no just <laughs> just accept the fact somebody's looking out for you and call out uber yeah it's the same night that i wrecked my r50 it is. You're right. That is the same night you wrecked your fucking classic BMW. Damn. What a bad night that was. It was a bad night because I came in. And I'm like, I started talking. To, I'm like looking for James and he, well, he had the shit kicked out of him. He was sitting like, <laughs> instead of being at the counter, he was like sitting on the ground and his face was all like swollen and, and he was in as bad a shape as me. And, and one of those things is we were trying to figure it out. And I was like, well, how many people, he has no idea how many people beat him up. He has no idea where it even happened. Yeah. The, the thing about that was at some point he was walking and I don't know if the scooter ran out of gas or whatever, because he, but he was walking and he ran into some cholo, some, you know, some guy who later it turns out Latin, whatever. And they got into something or some, and somehow he figured out where this guy lives by the help of the, somebody actually was like, oh, I know that guy. I know where he lives. Let's go get him. 
Right? I went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I got those phone calls at 4.30 in the morning. I was having porch drinks. And yeah. I got those phone calls where, like, I don't know where I am. I don't have my bike. I'm bleeding. I'm sitting on a curb. We went no looking way. for him. You and I yeah. were riding all over the place looking for him. And that was exactly it. We knew. He said, like, I was like, look up at a street sign and read a fucking street sign. And we'll come and get you. And John and I spent hours looking for him and couldn't find him. Because he didn't know where he was, and his brother had picked him up, and they'd gone out looking for revenge in all the wrong places. Yeah. So see, I've I've heard the other side of that story too, where once he's gotten home with Wayne, they yeah. had people staying over with him too for that scooter rally, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, things escalated. It sounded like. Oh yeah. Oh, believe me, this is one of those things we get accused of being a drinking podcast. But I'm going to tell you guys, if you think we drink a lot, we have got friends that no, no. We couldn't even do the podcast with them right now because they'd be having our stupid Zoom getting in a fight with other Zooms right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Dudes would be throwing their gloves down and be like, fuck that. We're taking on the Cafe Racer Zoom. Fuck that. Yeah. We're going to go kick the shit out of the wheel nerds. Yeah. <laughs> I want the puddle cutters. <laughs> They're going down. Cutters. Come out and play. The, I don't. How's, how's the compound going, dude? Oh, it's, uh, it's actually, uh, it's actually going really well. He uh, backfilled my, my barn. I was dragging a bunch of crap out of the other house into there. I finished off the back room in the shipping container and I put a bunch of plants in there. So now it's, Got its own uh, air cleaning system. Nice. And uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I wanted to do the podcast from there, but but since I've um, I, I insulated it so well, I made a Faraday cage. Oh, really? <laughs> so you can't get no signal gets in, no signal gets out? There's no signal at all able to get in or out because I have a steel container and I used foil-lined uh, insulation because foil line insulation reflects like 80 to 90% of the radiant heat that you put out. So, <laughs> yep, that's it. There it is right there. <laughs> it's the fourth one from the top. <laughs> so you actually, I mean, there's no other way to say it short of buying copper screen and mesh. You made an actual Faraday cage. Yeah. See, cause I took, uh, I took aluminum tape, and I sealed every joint of the uh, insulation. Yeah. So so basically, I made a Faraday cage. You made a tinfoil hat for yourself. <laughs> yeah, the tinfoil building. But I mean, it's it's actually today I went in there and I have a single heater. It's like running at like a thousand watts, and it was like ninety degrees in there. Wow, that's wow. something. And it was even it wasn't even running. It was it was the thermostat was you know, it was satiated. So, so, I mean, really it'll be, it'll be good for the winter. So this, uh, this wall behind me that right now is acting as a, a white screen or green screen, but you know, I live in an old house and this house has got lattice board construction and lattice board construction um, actually in my house had the lattice boards, but it also has like this extruded mesh uh, metal grate. So, over the wood, there's a mesh uh, extruded metal 
screen, so to speak. And uh, that's every wall in my house is that way. And yeah, we can't get a Wi-Fi signal to go from the living room to the office. Uh, it's just because when they built this house ages ago, they thought, well, we're going to have wood beam like two before us, and then we're going to have lattice between it. And then we're going to put a mesh steel over that and then coat that in plaster. They, they didn't think about how that would affect wireless communication. Exactly. <laughs> how short-sighted of them. This place is not future-proof. Yeah. My old house had horse hair instead of... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally serious. The, the brown coat, because when you plaster, you have a wood lattice, yeah. and then you put brown coat on, then you yeah. put white coat on. Yeah. So the brown coat uses horse hair instead of that metal lattice. So my old house was built like a hundred years. Well, I mean, both these houses are a hundred years old, but they use horse hair to, uh, in the brown coat to form the, like the mesh to hold the brown coat together over the wood lattice. Very interesting. Gillis. That's Works. Yeah. I have to do some repairs on that. I just put a, a door on. So I have a whole bunch of, the the plaster came off of the lat uh, the lattice and now I have to fix that. Sucks, but oh well, no biggie. Well, you use fiberglass now, so you use brown coat with fiberglass, and then you use the white coat over that. So I'm going to use a piece of drywall. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's <laughs> <laughs> they come in nice four by eight check at four by eight sections. You cut them right in. <laughs> it's about the easiest thing in the world. I like plaster, so. So, uh, guys, I thought it'd be really funny. So, I, I got this this thing here. I got this toy, and uh, so this this is fun. We've all heard of the Magic Eight Ball, right? Um, if you don't know what a Magic Eight Ball is, again, you're too old. Stay tuned. You're not. Yeah, you're not old enough. Is that but, the kind that comes from Mexico? Yeah, that's that, that's. Yeah, that's a different kind of Magic Eight Ball. So, this is the Sarcastic Nine Ball. fantastic nine ball right here and you can ask it any question that you want so if anybody would like to raise their hand and ask it a question how long how long will i live (laughs) how long will i live and this one just says uh yeah i i don't think so (laughs) 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 all right go ahead are carburetors better than fuel injection Oh, give me a second. Uh, it says, it is, it says, um, ask someone who cares. <laughs> <laughs> we all care. <laughs> all right, next. How will Chris's Janus treat him? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. We have to wait. There's a little bit of latency among the sarcastic nine ball. The sarcastic uh, nine ball. Uh, we're going to go back to, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so that, we've only gotten two responses out of this sarcastic. <laughs> There's a disc inside there. There's only two. There's just it's literally it's a coin. It's, it's, yeah, and which would make it even better because that's funny. Yeah. Okay, next question. Uh, well, Somebody's fucking off. Mm. Will I ever find true love? <laughs> hashtag, hashtag not happening. 
see this is a big this is big with the millennials they understand these things like the hashtags and the because i could have said pound sign not happening (laughs) (laughs) i still like the pound me too (laughs) what's that steve say again steve he muted himself <laughs> he went away. Pound sign, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> he drops a nugget of knowledge hey. and just shuts himself off. Like, hey, right, you. <laughs> Pound sign, Gen Xer. Until right, so I got one. Uh, how long until you do. Chris is tired of playing with his Janus? Oh, that's Ooh. that's an excellent question. <laughs> how long until Chris is tired of playing with his Janus? Janus. Uh, I want to hear this one too. <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> How long hey, until the rest of that. us are tired of playing with Chris's Janus? <laughs> we'll never be tired of playing never. with this. It, it just says, Are you serious? <laughs> Meaning never. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not good with my D&D math anymore. So it, it is a triangle. Like it does present a triangle. So I, I'm not sure inside if it's a decahedron or, or, you know, what it's, whether it's, you know, got 10 options in there. But um, anyway. So if you want to have a if you want to have a far less serious take on the magic eight ball, you can get the sarcastic nine ball. Um, it'll be fun for minutes at your next company party. <laughs> Should have nine sides. Yeah. And, and this one says like like that'll happen. So I think you have to like the trick is you can't just read it. You've got to be snarky on the delivery. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you can't be snarky on the delivery, then do not get the the, the sarcastic nine ball at all. Like so, cards versus humanity. Yeah, that's a fun game. One again, that's a fantastic game. And you want to know when it's even a better game is when you play it with like your friend's 15 or 16 year old daughters in the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bad parenting? I don't know, but yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> Uh, Jake from the Misfits, uh, years ago, we'd done a motorcycle adventure on the West Coast and we were out there visiting the Misfits and they decided to have a party in the room that we were sleeping in. And so all the Misfits were there and Jake was there. And it was kind of the first time I'd met Jake, young Jake and she's in the you know Navy now, jumping out of helicopters and saving people. But young Jake was in the room and we decided to play Cards Against Humanity. And that is not the game you want to play when your buddy's there and your buddy's daughter is there. And like this is fucking awkward with a capital awk. It's just fucking weird, man. Because like all the cards are just, well, yeah. if you played the game, you know, right? Yeah, they are. And you know what? My kids wanted us to play that. Okay. So my daughter had her birthday party at this brewery. Chuck E. Cheese. Say Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. They weren't that young. They were like 22 or whatever. 23. Say Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> It was brick and barrel, but it was not Chuck E. Cheese. But they, they started playing that game, and they're like, you have to play, Dad. And I'm like, I don't even know what this game's about. Right. And so so I start reading these cards, and it's like, how can you not be a pervert? You know? I mean, <laughs> and I'm an old guy playing with all these young people, and then now all of a sudden I'm a pervert. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to say? I mean, I don't know. There's no way to get out of this thing. Because you can't not play that game and come out as being like a creepy guy in a trench coat. <laughs> I just say when in Rome. 
<laughs> let her just let her rip. And the the funny thing was, Jake beat our asses. Like Jake killed us in that game because the rest of us were aware that Jake was in the room, and so we were like, "Fuck, man!" You know. But to the kid who's fifteen or sixteen years old in the room, um, they're just game on at this point. And mm-hmm. again, you know, uh, again. I didn't think she knew what felching was. I didn't think that she should know what felching was. <laughs> I thought that maybe bringing up felching would be an awkward conversation to try to ex- explain to a young person what felching was. And you know what? She brought it up. Turns out she played that card perfectly. <laughs> and this is the same person Liza had cleaning dildos, you know what I mean? Like That's true. That's the kid's true on too. level. The kid was on level. It is a dildo-rich environment over there. It can't be as bad as my wife. We had to explain half of them to her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's so tough. It's one thing to have to explain motorcycle shit to somebody. It's one thing to have to train them and teach them about like spark plugs and gas and oil and like all kinds of crazy crap. Dan earlier blew off. Like he totally, we let him get away with the fact that he blew up a four stroke. (laughs) <laughs> we let that well, i wanted stroke. to ask him if it was a four stroke or a two stroke i'm gonna tell oh, you it's a four stroke it's a four stroke it's a four stroke and and not only is it a four stroke but it's an indian four stroke it's literally oh jesus christ oscar i didn't hey, even know you had a black pussy you can't especially <laughs> <laughs> like blowing up your lawnmower i mean it can't <laughs> well, <laughs> it can if you ride it all the way to band camp and then take it to mid-Ohio two weeks later and just run the fucking tits off the guy. And you're, you're, like, you're like, there's no, a- I never pulled a dipstick. No, no, no. Don't ever think to pull the dipstick. No, 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 no. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. <laughs> That, that, who, who does I, do, I don't even ride a bike until I pull a dipstick. <laughs> <laughs> I check my air pressure. I pull the dipstick <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I do feel like I do feel like a four-stroke one hundred and fifty. A four-stroke one hundred and fifty is one of those things you're like, well, there's absolutely no risk of me getting hurt or having a whole lot of fun. So <laughs> the compensation for that is it will never blow up ever. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like a risk versus reward thing, and if there's no chance of you blowing up or doing big wheelies, then you're probably never gonna, you know, probably never gonna hurt yourself on it either. But apparently, Dan blew well, up a Bajaj 150. <laughs> yes, I did. And actually, on the way to Band Camp, so we rode Cincinnati out to Band Camp, but we took the long way. We basically followed the river and went yeah. through, like, you know, the the south eastern part of ohio which is you know some of the best riding oh yeah. i get to band camp and uh matt campbell the guy that broke his uh collarbone within yep. the first three hours uh he goes to ride it up the hill and he's like dude i can't ride this thing I'm like well what's going on he said dude the, the back wheel's falling off the fucking thing i said what the back wheel's falling off it sure as shit yeah the fucking nut had worked its way off on that, that ride out the main yeah <laughs> Yeah. The rear hub nut on a lot of these bikes 
that is the most overlooked shit. So it, it is, we're not kidding. Like if you're riding an old motorcycle and it has a wheel that it's held on by a lug nut, you have absolutely got to check that shit. Like it is so important that you, that, that make mm-hmm. that one of the first things you do, you know, because why don't, it, they, make, why don't they make them all castle nuts with a pin? Because no, oh, it, because, is. it does have a yeah. castle nut and a pin in it. Yeah. They just work themselves wow. off on the diambajage, and you can actually see where it ate up. This is a the, bike that's uh, designed to do this for a living. <laughs> like <laughs> this is just considered to be a day, right? And and Dan killed that, right? So like <laughs> in its native environment. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, it ate it all up. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's and and that's saying something to kill that particular bike. Um, yeah, that's some mad skill there. That's some mad skill right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that middle that last middle Ohio was quite muddy. Yeah, and uh, we we were playing bury the back wheel of the scooter yep. in the mud and just burn her down, just stand up. Yeah. Well, until it just stand up. Yeah, and you could you didn't just need walk away from it and still just run and you come back to it and pop it out of the mud. It was great. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, I can't find a picture of a Bajaj with less than four people on it. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, that, I mean, it is, that is kind of an accomplishment. I mean, the, the, the hub thing. Yeah. The hub thing's real. Uh, that's because Indian metallurgy is uh, they use the cheese spectrum on that. So when you're dealing with any Indian manufactured motorcycle, keep in mind that they don't use Rockwell for hardness. Their their hardest uh, metal that they produce in India is like Stilton. And their, then the next oh, one underneath God. that is like, uh, you know, Brie. And then it <laughs> go into like Swiss and then you go into like a good hard cheddar. Um, so like those are the types of metal. That's how you can tell metal hardness in Indian parts. Um, it's also how much uh, baby, baby wrist pressure. So if you can put like uh, a toddler amount of pressure on a fastener before it rounds out, that's a really good Indian piece of hardware. <laughs> Great well, and the, the, the real struggle with uh, uh, trying to bring it back is the, the motor I got was missing stuff, so I had to move stuff over, and there are small differences in the models and the years on the motors mm-hmm. of the uh, Bajaj, which, you know, that's stuff no one ever, ever really talks about, especially no. when, you're, when you're on, like, the forums, stuff like that, but, like, random shit changes, and then finding parts has been a real uh, joy. Well, it's done. So like for people who are thinking about having certain vintage Indian based motorcycles, it really is. It's kind of like the game is before you buy that, make sure that you can get parts to support it. Otherwise, just fucking stay away from it and don't buy it because they are it is getting to the point where it's almost impossible to sustain these things again. Can't find a picture of this scooter with less than four people on it. And I think if you look carefully, there's another child down here in the middle, I think, because there's an impossible number of left feet. There's just too many left feet over here. There's, I see five human heads, but I see six left feet. So if I see five human heads, but six left feet, they either got a drinking water problem or there's another person that's like between those humans. But that's six. And we normally only do that at rallies when we're trying to prove a point. So she had the proper side saddle uh, technique, though. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that might be why we saw two left feet. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that, that might have something to do with it. That, that makes sense. You've, you're onto something there. Or, or they just found a foot on the road and they're bringing it home. You, know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys do know that I have a leg in my garage? Of course. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. I used to have a guy next to me that was a single amputee who lived next door. And uh, he didn't he didn't make it. Um, so for for a little while, I'd look out my bedroom window and I'd see this leg standing in the driveway. There's, there's no punchline. There's literally just a sneaker with a sock and a socket. And it's it's just a leg. It's just a, a, a left leg from the you know, below the knee. Uh, imagine, if you will, every time you look out your bedroom window, you see a leg standing on its own, <laughs> unsupported. How long will it take you to call 911? Uh, My answer is five days. Uh, <laughs> five days before you call 911. And I called 911 and I explained my situation and I explained there was a leg in the driveway. And he was, uh, the people at 911 were nice enough to research the situation and tell me that the owner of the leg wasn't coming home to get it at any point. <laughs> oh, it's all yours. Sad. He had left the house in a configuration where the leg was no longer important and nobody thought to come back to get it. But how did they get there? Like, how did they get there? Yeah, like he didn't die in the driveway, right? No, I'm pretty sure some, well, he, I, I wasn't here. I don't know. Um, but it was jettisoned at some point. I thought at some point he might've been raptured up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought if he was raptured up, the leg would still be there, you know. Uh, but well, with that logic, if if synthetic materials can't get raptured, then all of his clothing would be there as well. I so. didn't put that much thought into it. I honestly didn't. He's a Trump supporter, so I figured anything could have happened. But I do. I will tell you that I now have the leg in my garage because I know that leg is going to come in very handy someday on on Rapture Day. If we ever go to mid Ohio again, I'm bringing the fucking leg. Believe me. Yeah. We oh, drink out of the leg. Drink out of the leg. Out of the big cup. <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck you yeah. Can't, you can't wash it either. It's got to be stank leg. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't use that story in the uh, Cleveland Mortar stories. Uh, Give me a second. <laughs> it's, it's like the Australians do with their boots. Like when uh, Jack Miller podiumed and he drank out of his fucking boot. Like, what the hell was that? You know? They should jam that leg up Rick's, I mean, uh, uh, Chris's jam. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> up the jam. Nice, nice uh, try, Hoff. <laughs> <laughs> I like not sleeping Hoff. He's had a lot this time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't fall asleep one time. I know. It's impressive, man. I am fucking stoked over here. That's slightly tipsy, nice. Hoff. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't even been drinking. And one, one drink. Well, what are you doing? Your <laughs> Yeah, I think Phil went out to Garage Mahal to get though. the fucking leg. I hope so. Yep. Oh, oh I can't wait to see oh, it. Oh, make here, here we go. Big ass smile. All right, so break it yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have to make noise to get this in the camera, but. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh, 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 o
You're pretty flexible oh, there. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's awesome. And what size shoe is that? I don't think it's going to fit in Chris's Janus. <laughs> Does it have a knee? Oh, there's a knee. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could drink out of that socket there, couldn't you? <laughs> oh, fucking me. <laughs> oh, man. man, man. Wow. Uh, Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I take my thing back about drinking out of the leg, dude. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to tell you, there is a lot. I mean, <laughs> that's full of fucking jelly. I can only imagine the kind of fucking jelly it was in there. It's as deep as uh, Chris's Janus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Oh, you're jumping in on it now, huh? Thank <laughs> 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 you, Brute. <laughs> so, yeah. So oh, he probably got hit by a fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> Are those bullet holes in the back? This, this, the skin falling off of it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you too there is a bit of an aroma (laughs) (laughs) and this has been this has been in the garage seasoning for a while it's been on the healing shelf for a minute Uh, that's that's right there with the possum out at uh, Santa Cruz bud yes (laughs) (laughs) so so we have a leg (laughs) got a leg up on the competition I think so (laughs) <laughs> um, we better leg it over to the <laughs> to the barrel races. I'm just, Dude, I'm you just should like, make that Cleveland Motors mascot and like just like always have that outside of the shop. And just let people ask questions. Like, yeah, that, like the Isle of Man has the three leg thing. You'll just have the one <laughs> thing. <laughs> Phil, I just pose it on random bikes in the in the shop. You know. Oh my God, Phil, did you just walk over and get it? Just pick it up. <laughs> just, <laughs> this thing had, had been sitting in the driveway for five days. Five days. <laughs> Nick, um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I've I've made some decisions in my life. <laughs> some better than others. Now I don't have like my street's not a very very big street. We don't have a lot of houses on the street. It's a very old street. It's been around for a long time. We have maybe. 30 total, like 30 houses all the way to the other end. But that means that a lot of people drove past this leg for five days. <laughs> and a lot of people, people walked thank you for it. And then so a lot of people for five days had some pretty serious con- conversations. <laughs> and uh, But I had to look at it every time I looked out my bedroom window. And if you think that you can perform under stress... You have not tried to perform while looking out the window at a leg, <laughs> a disembodied leg, because <laughs> stuff goes through your head. It really screws your game up. It's hard to keep your rhythm. It's hard to stay on target. Uh, Again, uh, if this doesn't haunt you, <laughs> this should haunt you, right? And if that doesn't so. haunt you, that does. <laughs> that I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Oh, that man. business right there, if you're looking down the barrel of that right there, that's where your brain goes. And then imagine all those people that drove by for five days talking about that leg, and then the leg wasn't there anymore. You should see if you could cram a flashlight in there. Use that for... <laughs> no. What the hell? So I walked no. over. Podcast. I will admit, 
I did it. I it did. It looked like I, I I walked over there with a great sense of authority, and I looked left and I looked right. Yeah, and I made sure there was no people actually standing outside as I grabbed a leg that I didn't own and walked over to my garage. It was this <laughs> a dead man. It was, and now the thing is, I wasn't really worried about the repercussions of anybody coming to repo the leg or, or get it back or whatever. And if anybody would have shown up and said, you know, that was my uncle, brother, whatever, I would have given it back. In fact, Please take it. We're protecting it, you know, keeping it out of the elements. It's in safekeeping. Yeah, you're a caretaker. <laughs> that end of the casket is never open. <laughs> you grab it during the day or during the night. That makes the difference, I think. No, I did. Actually, this is funny because I yeah, made the There's nothing you could have. You couldn't have just like taken it over and sat it on the porch. Then you'd be driving by looking at the fucking leg on the porch every day. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. The guy's dead. It's not going to walk itself home or fucking whatever. I will look at the evidence of a crime for five days before doing something about it. That's how bad of a human being I am. I care so little about that neighbor that I will literally let his leg be outside of his house without him in it for five days before calling anyone of authority. Take stock of yourself as a human being. How long will you let your neighbor's car sit on his lawn with the four ways going and the doors open before you get involved? Apparently five days is what it takes me. Yeah. We left our neighbor's sprinkler run for six days. (laughs) (laughs) It was running. It was running. It was running. We're like, really? They should turn it off. I maybe should go turn it off. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. (laughs) <laughs> ran days. for six days. Oh That's my! It's a thousand dollars in Lakewood. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> they had the. I'm like, hey, it's it's some of it's going on our yard. <laughs> it's it's getting. Great. You can turn the fucking valve off, dude. I couldn't go find the guy and ask him if he was missing his fucking leg. You know, hey. nobody answered the door. The uh, I didn't knock. Oh, I was, that was my next question. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. We weren't, we weren't cordial, so fuck them. <laughs> I stayed in my little box in my suburb, and I just stayed out of it. I figured that was his business. If he wanted to leave his leg outside, that was fine. After the fifth day, I figured he didn't just accidentally misplace his fucking leg. You know, have, you should bring it for uh, for the next band camp for uh, a drinking bezel for the Mexicana. Do you think there's a chance I'm going to go anywhere without this leg for the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> See, Dan, Dan, Dan knows what's up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. This, this thing, this thing is, this thing is going to everything from now on. Oh, for the, the, the hers. Put it in the hers. Again. <laughs> so, so how long did you actually wait then after they picked him up before you went and got it? So um, I didn't know they picked him up. So I wasn't home when they picked him up. I had no idea that he'd been picked up. Um, nothing had changed because the guy wasn't exactly out in the yard barbecuing or playing badminton for fuck's sake. You know, <laughs> I mean, again, he needed that. Like, like you don't have one of those and be out all active and shit. Um, so, yeah, I had to, again, 
I didn't know the man had a fake leg until I found it on his driveway without him in it. So there was no, I didn't know this dude had no leg. I had no evidence to suggest that he had no leg. I just thought he was a dude, you know, that lived next door in the rental and turns out, you know, eventually one day there was a leg with nobody in it. Maybe he was only renting the leg. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, have you taken yeah. the shoe off? No, you're not a fucking pervert, man. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, shit, man. Well, his ID might be in the bottom of the shoe. <laughs> he could have had a I'm, honestly, I'm terrified. I won't even put my hand inside the fucking socket. Dude, there, there could be a 50 grand <laughs> bill. There could be 20 grand in there. Where else would you store your money? Nobody's going to look in your fake foot, dude. Right. This guy died, and his last act was, oh, I better put the, the leg out in the driveway so that somebody can get my money. <laughs> no. He was no. generous. He knew you'd find it. <laughs> Do you probably a safety device. You get this sneaker off this thing. And by the way, this guy was big. This is a big shoe. I don't know if you can appreciate. This is a big shoe. This is bigger than the shoes I wear, and I'm a size 11. So this is like, if you're going to have a fake shoe, I don't know why it needs to be a size 14, but this is a big fucking shoe. This is a giant fucking shoe. Is and it a name brand, or is it a special shoe that just goes on a fake leg? <laughs> I don't know much about shoes. It, it, it's not a Nike or a Brooks or something. It's called a Detrix with a D-E-double-T. Oh, that sounds medical. Or Atrix. It does. It does seem medical. It does seem like a medical shoe. I'm I'm not familiar with that tread pattern or anything else. But anyway, um, but I mean, that's, you, that's you're not going to change it. I mean, you're not going to change the sock. It's not going like like it sweats or anything, dude. Seriously, <laughs> if you got that on your leg, if you have I'm more thinking. Leg, sorry, sorry, sorry. How? I mean, okay. <laughs> if you have a fake leg, one. I know myself, if I had an artificial leg, I'd have like seven of them. <laughs> we got a guy that we ride with all the time. Dave, he's got, he's got a yeah. missing leg and he's got some high, cool carbon fiber. Yeah, that was a, yeah. Like he's got some cool legs that do cool stuff. That's not what this is. <laughs> this is, this is, this is like the, the bowling alley loner leg. <laughs> there is nothing cutting edge about this leg this in fact this is the leg that gets left in the driveway <laughs> no way man so i got a leg yeah and now podcast 306 we're gonna call it and we have a leg up on all the other competition because <laughs> you know what fucking legless you know, <laughs> take that the wheel nerds. Yeah, you don't have a leg. <laughs> yeah, we hey, challenge no. there. We're gonna put out a challenge. What podcast wants to step up and bring a leg? <laughs> Again, you know, <laughs> somebody could bring out one of those weird arms with the little pinchy things on the end. <laughs> one of those. I think that would trump the leg. <laughs> We might be able to build a whole new biker if we put all the podcasts <laughs> together with all the artificial parts. A bionic biker. Chris Smith works in the industry. Might might be able to get something special from him. Oh yeah. You should, you should see what I have in my garage. <laughs> a prosthetic head. Is there is there a scratch and dent section? <laughs> there is. There is. I will tell you this leg looks this leg looks like it's been road hard and put away wet. There is nothing fresh about this leg. Like this leg is beat. This leg has had a hard life. 
Meanwhile, um, it probably didn't come from your neighbor. It was just like a crackhead walking through the yard and he lost his leg and just been mauled. <laughs> <laughs> You, I don't care. This is the, this is how, you know, there's death involved because no matter how fucked up I've ever been, I've never been like, walk away from my own leg fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I'm sure people have come around and been like, Oh look, it's Phil's Gerber tool, right? (laughs) Oh look, it's his flashlight. Nobody's ever said it's his fucking leg. (laughs) (laughs) I've left weird shit at rallies. I've left my jacket at rallies. I've left my hat at rallies. I've left a toolbox at a rally. I've never, ever left anywhere and left my fucking leg behind. <laughs> well, that's ever. a possibility now. be <laughs> 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 one of those special traveling awards. Dude, that would be such a great call, too, if you didn't know. Like, you're calling, yo, man, I think I left my leg in your van last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, nobody here appreciates how heavy that fucking thing is. No. Like, really, you don't. You have no idea how heavy it is. When I went up to the garage and grabbed it, I was shocked again. I've handled this before. How heavy it is. It's surprising how heavy it is. Like, if somebody says, I'm going to take my leg off and beat you with it, run the fuck away. <laughs> it's a heavy thing. Uh-oh. I can just imagine somebody finding this leg and then uh, someone else going, oh, hey, that's Phil Le- Phil's leg. So this guy <laughs> never met you before, has your leg and, and brings it back to you only to discover that you have two legs. <laughs> <laughs> or he's walking around all night looking for the guy with one leg. <laughs> Where's this Phil guy with one leg? I got to give it back. Or he's going to be like, clearly needs this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my third leg. Serious fetish. He likes to be like a, a secondary leg. Uh, never mind. <laughs> you know, you clean out people's houses. You find all kinds of weird stuff. We, uh, I cleaned out a house one time and I found not one, not two, but three speculum. <laughs> Why would I find three speculum? Speculi. And it's not like it was a small, medium, and a large speculum. It was like all the same size. <clears throat> And it was like, did you lose the first one? And they were all metal and they were all chrome and they were all like, they had the proper knob on the side and everything else. You could like do do whatever version of duck bill platypus you wanted to be. (laughs) And again, because I am me, I didn't throw them away. They're in my toolbox in the garage right now. Oh no, 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 no. I have used them twice. (laughs) Turns out. All right, let's hear well, okay. If anybody has ever had to slip the air intake hose over a carb housing, so if you have an air box and you have the air intake hose and you got to slide it over the carb box and you know that if you've ever done it, that that air intake hose is not like the one millimeter larger than the air box that it needs to be, you need a speculum. Okay. If you're doing the air intakes on a Honda CB750, you need two speculums, <laughs> but yeah, you get them warm. You get, you, you boil some water in the microwave. You throw the air intake boots, you know, their air handler, you know, the things that go into the air box. And yeah, if you put the speculum in there and you squeeze it, it opens them up and it pops right on. How do you get the motorcycle into the stirrups though? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Miss CB750. Are you sexually active? <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah. But I'm, I, they're in my toolbox right now. I mean, if you go thought, out there, I thought speculi was the plural of speculum or don't you want to speculate? I don't want to speculate. <laughs> or is it speculus? It was, do not stare directly into the speculus. <laughs> but yeah, I, I found three speculi um, or, or like where Steve's from speculators. The, uh, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the locational designation of the speculi, but yeah. So it's like you, I just find weird stuff. I'm going to hang on to it. I got a full set of embalming tools, like all the tools that you need to embalm a body. Check. I got them, got them all, got everything you'd need. Pro car. Apparently if you go to a hearse rally and you win, that's what you can win. Ah, a complete boxed set of yeah, embalming tools. Embalming tools, right? Somewhere along there, there those garages complete without them. Embalming sit, and they're mounted on a, a nice case. They're mounted in a nice display case, and so they're they're all right there. Yeah, so that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you guys? Here's a kind of a cool. This is one of my favorite motorcycle manuals. This is a Honda manual for a CX 500. Everything's backwards, but it's kind mm -hmm. of, it's like this groovy thing going on and it has this, uh, little character <laughs> like, okay, well, first of all, it's like, like stuff like this, da, da, da. it's got cartoons in it <laughs> and then it's got, you know, like the guy, this is what you will look like. See how there's fire? <laughs> oh my god, that one's good. Why is there fire coming out of his ass? And why is he smoking? Yeah, well, this is like the warning labels and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I was looking. I've seen. I found this the other day when I was going through them. I'm like, oh my god, look how. Which bike did this come out of? This was for a CX500. Okay, yeah. for a CX500, but it looks like his Janus is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This Janus is definitely on fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Speaking of Chris Smith, we need a joke, bud. You need a joke? When was the last time we had a Chris Smith joke on the podcast? True. Well, we had a couple last week. All right. So what's the, uh, what's the first thing a woman does when she leads the battered women's shelter? The dishes, if she knows what's good for her. <laughs> I would have said she would jumps in the fryer. I don't get, no, that's, that's pretty. <laughs> oh, man. So a, uh, so a priest, a minister, and a rabbi want to see who's best at his job. So they each go to the woods, find a bear, and attempt to convert it. Later, they get together. The priest begins, I found the bear. I read to him from the catechism, sprinkled him with holy water, and next week is his first communion. I found a bear by the stream, says the minister, and preached God's holy word. The bear was so mesmerized that he let me baptize him. They both looked down at the rabbi who's laying on a gurney in a body cast. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, he says, Maybe I shouldn't have started with a circumcision. <laughs> 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 oh, 
You only want to do that when they're hibernating. <laughs> the bris is not recommended for any of the uh, the larger mammals. <laughs> That's great. There you go, Dan. You have to hear the word bris. I think of brisket, and I'm like, it sounds, <laughs> oh, no. it sounds delicious, but I know it's not. It sound- <laughs> oh no! no. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the that's just the inner moil in you coming out. That's the, that's the, you don't want to with Parkinson's. <laughs> what do you call a moil with Parkinson's? I don't know. So you made the joke up and you didn't have a punchline. Yeah, yeah you gotta do better than that. You don't want to moil with Parkinson's. <laughs> uh. I'm literally looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be an end to that joke. <laughs> Isn't the boil the guy who cuts the... Yeah. The yeah, yeah. yeah. You know you, yeah. A boil with Parkinson's would be, well... Yeah. I, I'm just trying... There's got to be a joke that goes there, man. How about... What do you call a boil with Parkinson's? <laughs> I'm looking... I'm typing that you in. Don't call that motherfucker ever. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, the problem is the the spelling of of moil gets in the way because there really isn't any y sound in it at all. It's that the uh, oh man, uh, here we go. There there is a joke. There's a joke here. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Uh, you can do it. I am. I swear to God, there's a really long fucking s- story. Oh my god, the. Uh, <laughs> No, 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 it's, it's not. It's a, it's a enlightening story about a, a person from Cleveland who was the only uh, symptom-free Parkinson sufferer that was also a moil. No, 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 nothing. There's nothing. This is, I really went here looking for a quick punchline and all I found is an inspirational story about somebody who overcame adversity. Uh, <laughs> no, total, total fail. Yeah, yeah total fail. Yeah, there's nothing there. I was there needs to be a joke, and that would be the yeah. Yeah. There is there is a a, a line a one liner that's like, well, that's the last time I'll ever hire a moil with Parkinson's. But <laughs> that's not really a joke. That's just that's just sad. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's it. So yeah, that's it. And a lot of people yeah, didn't know there was an oral component oral component. We grew up on the east side, and remember Lakeland Boulevard, there was this bar, speaking of uh, physical oddities, and there was a two-headed cow in this bar. Yes. Do you remember that? I, I Absolutely, yes. What was the name of that bar? I can't remember the name of the bar. I cannot tell you. Um, I, I, I do believe that, oh, shit. It was just like a one word. It was just a name, though. It was just like a name of the bar. Um. But, but, but that cow was in the two in a glass case up on the shelf. Remember yes. that? Up, up on the shelf. And for people that, yeah. And for people who do feel the need to just know that the internet can solve all your problems. There you go. That's it. That's all we got. Wow. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I didn't do that. I was already there. I didn't make that. I didn't create that. That was already there. That's the proof. What do they call that? Rule 34. I don't know, Phil. It kind of looks like you made it. Yeah, no, that's a different one. <laughs> what is that, uh, Oscar? You're a computer person. Is that called Rule Thirty Four? No, that that uh, no, that's a different one. 
It's, it's a different one. Well, that is a different rule. Yeah, it's a different rule. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember what the rule is. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, any yeah, anything can be made sexual. Yeah, that's that's rule thirty four. That's rule thirty four, right? <laughs> I wasn't that far off. Yeah, that anything, any conceivable topic can be made sexual, be sexual yeah. on the internet. That's rule thirty four. <laughs> Again, don't know why I know that. Can't remember anybody's phone number, but I know that stupid shit. That's that's it. The uh, uh, back to motorcycles. Although I don't know why, I, I don't know why I'd even wander down that path at this point. Um, I was I was kind of entertaining this idea of all the the new bikes that are coming out into the 2021 model year because the 2021 model year is just a screwed up thing. If you can imagine people that have been trapped in their houses for eight months and what kind of a market that's going to be, um, remember that for the past seven months, we've been told that riding motorcycles is an acceptable means of going out and social distancing and going and, and living a life. And so, yeah, motorcycle dealers across America did extraordinarily well over the past eight months for the most part, if they were allowed to do business. Now, that being said, a lot of people also are going to be operating by what, maybe April on how many months of no income. Mm. So everybody who thought that this thing was going to be short and they were going to be getting this extra $600 a week of unemployment and maybe $1,200 stimulus check and all that stuff. But like the glory days of the beginning of the pandemic are long gone. And now we're having to get into the reality of people that have been kind of sitting on their ass for a long time and people aren't paying them anymore. And it's a very strange thing to be talking to people in the motorcycle industry, wondering where shit is going to go in April or May. And is it going to be, yeah, you know what? I should finally buy that camper or I should finally buy that boat or I should finally buy that motorcycle. Or is it going to be, I'd really like to buy food. You know, I'd really like to pay the bills. I'd really like to, you know, be able to pay for this, keep making payments on the camper that I bought last April when I thought this would all blow over in two to three months. Or how many foreclosed on my motorcycle I bought last year. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's really, I've been talking to a bunch of other people who do this for a living and it's strange, but I, I think there's a certain degree of fear that this thing was an anomaly, this explosion of people buying bikes it's all going to come home. It's going to be like, it's, it's going to be like waking up the morning after when you're going to be like, Oh my God, my wallet's empty. I've got a Tyrannosaurus in bed next to me. And I just don't know what the hell happened, but I think I had a good time. And that's, I, that's where I see us being in April or May. I don't think that we're going to be heading headlong into yet another year of amazing motorcycle sales. And it'd be tough if you're a motorcycle manufacturer right now, would you be thinking about a really strong release of an expensive bike that you want to put out to market right now? Ah, oh, man. I would go with the small displacement, cheap, small displacement bikes because that might be a standard transportation for a lot of these people that aren't going to be able to afford to buy a car. Right. And it's true. a good alternative for a car for six months around here. I mean, you could ride a monkey into Cleveland easily. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, whatever. You could ride a, a 
Vespa scooter or whatever, it would be a very economical way of saving money and having uh, not a, not having a car payment, having a third of a car payment, and being able to have transportation. Jesus uh, Christ, do you think for the first time in the history of motorcycles for a very, very long time, people would actually be buying a motorcycle because it was practical? That's what I think. I think this is what's going. This is what's coming because you're going to also have an administration that's going to uh, that, that's going to lean towards electric and towards uh, economy. So I think you're going to see gas prices increase. You're going to see um, you're going to see uh, cities do like go the way of Cleveland, where they're making it harder and harder for a, a, a four wheeled car to make it through the city where it's easier to make it through Cleveland on a, on a scooter. Oh yeah. It is. Absolutely. So I think maybe the, you might see a, a heyday of uh, scooters and small displacement bikes and electric bikes, especially in the next four years mm-hmm. versus like the big displacement bikes. So I, I would put my money on small displacement and electric bikes. So Chris recently got a Chris got a ridiculous deal on a fourteen hundred cc Moto Guzzi. I mean, beyond any argument, the deal he got on that elder or on the California is obscene. It's crazy good. The deal he got. We recently had somebody trade in uh, an eighteen hundred cc Yamaha uh, Royal Star, fuel injected, all the majesty, like it's a perfect brand new condition bike. If I told you how much he traded in for you, uh, you you'd be you'd be embarrassed. You wouldn't call me your friend anymore uh, because it was a fuel injected giant motorcycle, and it, it didn't it didn't draw nearly enough money. But I looked and saw what people were paying for them, and it wasn't that much. So these big giant cruisers, where you can get a ton of bang for your buck, there's not a lot of money behind them right now, and that tells me the money's somewhere else. Uh, the deal Chris got on that California, that Moto Guzzi, we all, everybody that heard about that deal was like, dude, if you don't buy that, I'm going to buy that. It's just too much bike for not enough money. Right. And it's, it's very strange that there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of energy behind smaller uh, bikes right now. The big bikes, they're not, and it's a great time to get into a big bike. This is a fantastic time to buy a giant V-twin um, Harleys will have their artificial bottom. Harleys will just hold their value down to a certain point. They're not going to go below that because it's a Harley. And, you know, it would be a crime against America to sell it for $2,900, but $3,800 is okay for certain Harleys. But like for metric cruisers and stuff, it's crazy how much bike you can buy for not much money at the moment, you know? Yeah, it's a good second bike, though, but I mean, it's still not, it's almost not practical to ride, like, as a commuter. Well, how come I'm the only bike I'm excited about looking at is the the freaking Trail 125, you know? So, like, because that's the only bike at the moment when I look at all the things that are being offered in the market as being, hey, come and buy this cool thing. The only one I'm looking at going, ah, you know, I, I, I would like to add something to my stable and the only thing with the 2021 on it that I would add to my stable right now is the the Trail 125. I, I kind of like the C. I, I like what they did with the CRF uh, 300 Rally. You read my mind. You read my mind. I just so, read the whole article on it. Are they, they calling that a Rally people? Raid, or is that just a rally? No, it's CRF. a rally. It's their rally. It's like a CRF 250L. Rally, but they bumped the displacement 
to, uh, to 300. It's got 20% more torque. The, the rally, they put a, a much bigger uh, fuel tank on. Oh. Uh, it looks like it would be a three-and-a-half-pound tank. It's bumped up to 27 horsepower and 19 foot-pounds of torque, which doesn't oh. seem spectacular, but it's a good bit more than it was. Hmm. And, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah I, was I looking mean, the the... the uh, CT125 and the, the rally. I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's funny that that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, I'm looking at that going, yeah, that's cool. I, I'd be all over that. Like, that seems like it'd be a fun bike to have around and it would be functional and it would get the job done. Like you said, three and a half gallon gas tank. I mean, that's completely practical. There's 31 horsepower in this article. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I mean, did that's something. You could did they announce it like an MSRP for this? Or? Oh, yeah, the headlights didn't make it look like it had been drinking. <laughs> it's still got those goofy headlights, yeah. What the fuck, man? Seriously. 5,900. 59. The headlights the, on that the, thing look like beakers from Muppets. Yeah, it doesn't look that. named Igor. It yes. <laughs> over here, but then when you get that straight on view, it gets gnarly. Like where'd it go? Hold on. There. Was that was that side by side you showed earlier? Was that the the three hundred L and the three hundred L rally? Yeah, next to each other. If the three hundred L has that single headlight. Okay. All right. And then the rally is the one with the the Igor headlights. Well, it, it has a higher. Um, it's uh, yeah. a higher. With more suspension. Yeah. They, 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 over 10, they gained an inch and a half. 11 and a half yeah. over 10. All right. Yeah. The front end is starting to grow on me with the silly, the silly uh, monocle surprised expression. <laughs> it looks like it's questioning your every decision. <laughs> it seriously does. It's just like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> like build a cat. Yeah. It does. It's the rock. <laughs> it's, the, it's the rock look. Dwayne. Yeah, he's giving the eyebrow. It, it is very much like looking at the front of that motorcycle. I know that that asymmetrical headlight has been a, a hallmark of the BMWs for a very long time, like one square and one round and everything else. And I'll let them have it. But never has one looked at me and made me want to laugh so much. <laughs> or hug it. I want to hug it. It's cute. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Cheppy. Cheppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that thing, that really does look, uh, yeah, that's, that's a very, uh, there, there's a very much, <laughs> there's, there's a very much a personality associated with that particular bike. I can't quite place it, uh, but, but it's there. I, um, yeah, that's, that's something that bike's got a, that bike's got a personality. Um, 313 pounds. Oh, that's nice. Wow. This is the only thing I'm thinking of when it looks at me. <laughs> that's all I'm getting. <laughs> the, uh, but so that motorcycle is more interesting to us than, you know, some other people have made some big decisions. There's been a lot of money kicked around this year. And one of the things that people are talking about who aren't us um, is this particular piece of uh, monstrosity. So Ooh. people are... People are enthusiastic about this this is a 2.5 liter machine cool. this is you know 2500 cc's and you know this is on the you know the the short side of twenty three thousand dollars for a bike that doesn't have a single bit of luggage on it um i've never 
this is one of those like things where all I see when I look at this is like, man, sorry about your dick. Um, there's, there's just at this point, there's, I don't know anybody who's thinking that this is the bike that's going to complete their garage right now. And that's the triumph rocket three. I think there's a big big following of that in Australia. Yes. Yeah. They have like a huge following over there, man. Yeah. Where the roads are straight and don't turn very much Mm -hmm. and go on for miles and miles and miles. And they have those train trucks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I just don't, I, I, and it's, I don't know. I mean, obviously I would never consider spending $23,000 on a motorcycle when that buys me a perfectly good Ford transit, you know, or a, a Dodge Duramax or something. I could put three or four motorcycles in, you know, right. uh, it seems like a bad decision to spend $23,000 on a motorcycle right now. When for $3,000, you can have a big fuck off touring bike, you know, yeah. Uh, to that does everything better and comes with all the bags. Uh, it's a weird time. I, I just, I, I don't know where we're going to be in a few months from here. I, I don't know where, when the sun's shining, the birds are chirping and people are going to run out and think like, ah, it's, it's time to ride a motorcycle. Uh, or it's kind of a, you know, some of it is just, you just kind of wonder how anything ever made sense sometimes. Like, why did it ever make sense to sell a, even make a bike like that? But, you know, here we are, you know. Well, what did we say? V- Yamaha just finally killed the VMAX. Yeah. I mean, come on. D- I mean, who's been aware that they've been selling them for the past five years? Who went out and bought a VMAX in 2019 and paid money for it? Like, who went in their dealership and said, you know what I'd like? I'd like that bike literally from the eighties. I'd like that motorcycle. I could put a historical plate on and get away with, you know, (laughs) Uh, customers. Yes, exactly. And, and so just kind of like that kind of a thing, when you think about, when you think about that kind of stuff is still in the market, that stuff has been hanging around so long as, as something that's being sold as a brand new product. That's crazy. I mean, uh, out with the old man get rid of that shit uh there's no reason there there's no reason yamaha should have had a v-max because i didn't know they were still selling it like (laughs) they should have asked people five years ago and said would you be interested in seeing the 2016 v-max and after everyone said no they should have stopped making it (laughs) they probably should have made that decision in about 2001 Hmm. and just been done with it and just not had V maxes for the past 20 years. That would have been but do marketing. I mean, like wh- why do these companies do this? Is it like, do they not spend money in marketing at all? Like do they don't bring in like a, uh, a typical group of people that are going to buy bikes and then ask them questions or are they like, like Suzuki, we know they pretty much are, are like pretty much don't want to spend the money on fuel injection. <laughs> well, Suzuki apparently believes that once you pay for tooling, yeah. that you own that tooling and that you should produce motorcycles on that tooling until you don't sell one motorcycle, until you have. <laughs> and I believe they were perfectly happy to sell them. Right. They were probably selling them to people, right. people who either bought one and they wanted to buy a newer one or people were like, Hey, you know what? That's a hell of a lot of my bike for what I'm going to pay for it. And they were still selling in some numbers on tooling that was bought and paid for and 
was essentially free for them to, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's the thing is, is cost probably pay. I mean, the, the, the MSRP of those bikes was probably so low for small, like dual sports and stuff like that, that it just made sense to keep selling. And people were still, but yeah, you know, the, the motorcycle classes were doing, we're using those, uh, DR 200 SEs for a long time. And that's the same as that. If you guys remember that, that, uh, 87 SP 200 that I had, it's the same bike. Well, that's the thing, though, too. But if you're actually riding around the world, you're not just a dude that says I'm an adventure rider and you're out there and you're riding. What do you want? You want parts availability. And if a bike's been available for 26 years, you can probably find a part in Zimbabwe or wherever you are, you know, and it's still going to work. It's still the same bike. And it's proven. Yeah. I mean, by, well, why, would, why did Kawasaki stop selling the KRL 650? That made no sense. That's to a me. good question. <laughs> You've gone, you, you didn't introduce anything new. You just stopped selling something that would probably still sell a couple thousand bikes a year. You know, like, and if you remember two podcasts ago, we did their new releases of five bikes and it had nothing. They didn't even, they were just like, yeah, we're going to team. Not replace it. I mean, I thought when they dropped it, they would turn around and replace it with something. Mm-hmm. Oh, they haven't. I still think, I still think they're going to drop something about like a 700, 800 CC one. That's going to go against the Yamaha T7 and all the other stuff that's at that 700 cc range. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Nick brought that up, and I I had to look it up because I couldn't believe it. I when Nick said that 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 bike was still being sold, um, his SP, you know, his, yeah. his 200 SP. I couldn't believe it that they were still selling that. But no, it's true. As a 2020 model year, they did a DR 200 SE, and like that's psychotic to me that you know that you could do that. It, it it takes just the bravado of Suzuki to say, "Look, we're going to throw this thing out there." And what's funny is they dropped the MSRP on it, so they dropped it down to thirty nine forty nine because it had been like forty six hundred for a long time, and clearly nobody paid that money for it. But when you look at that and you're just like, "Holy crap!" They they have just I think it's like this break-even concept of we're going to sell this bike. We're gonna. It costs us nothing to make it, so we're gonna sell it, or at least put it out there that we're selling it as part of our lineup. And if ten people buy it at full boat, those are the luckiest ten dealers in the world because every one of the other ten dealers is gonna take this thirty-nine hundred dollar motorcycle and only gonna be able to get it out the door by selling it for $29.99 and then throwing a whole bunch of F&I on it, you know, a bunch of charges on it to sell it to like an idiot. So like somebody comes into the shop and goes, I got a thousand dollars off on this bike. I got it for cheaper than buying a used SP. And then he's like, well, so what'd you pay? I paid $29.99. I got a thousand dollars off. Yeah, but you paid, you know, extended warranty you paid a service contract you paid a tire a tire warranty package you paid all these other things on top of it you paid a weird financing scheme to get you down to a 50 dollars a month payment that you'll be paying on for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and like all this voodoo that happens in the fni office i think that's the only reason that bike exists because i can't imagine anybody's going in and paying full retail mm-hmm. for that 40 year old motorcycle I, I think the first year for the 200 was 86 yeah i think you're right well the that's other thing is it could be selling well in other markets and yeah, that's, that's why they keep producing it yep and they're like well if we're going to produce it we might as well offer it in america you know and we got the epa certification back in 86 so what right. the fuck you know 
And they, maybe that's why the DRZ hung around forever with a carburetor and why the DR650 hung around forever with a carburetor and all these things that are still there. Because to the guy who's in the consuming market, he's got to seriously make a decision and say, do I want to buy a 10-year-old one with 2,900 miles or do I want to buy a brand new one that's last year's, last year's, last year's model? So I'm going to the dealership and they happen to have a 2018 over in the corner with some weird, ugly, you know, Barbie and Ken graphics on it. But I'm willing to take it because I'm going to buy this bike brand new with no miles on it and a two-year warranty for about 800 more than I'm going to pay for a good used one. But then the other thing, too, especially with those bikes is, how I mean, what is it going to be? What are you going to do to improve it? You know what I mean? Like, they don't update the model. It is what it is. Right. It's a fucking 200cc Enduro. It's pretty much as good as it's ever going to get. It's got the shocks and everything that you yeah. would possibly... You can't really make it any better than what it is. It's right. The, the only thing that would make it better is fuel injection. And, and that's arguable, first of all. And two, that takes money. So, right. And it's like Velveeta, man. Nobody's ever argued that they need to change the recipe of Velveeta. No. It's evolved into its prime state. And that is where it will remain. <laughs> this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> well, I know people that will drive out of state to buy Stroh's. It's plateaued. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to drive 200 miles to get a Stroh's. <laughs> Stroh's IPA. That's what I got. He got the, no, I got, what, what did you buy last time? None of your goddamn business. <laughs> Uh, in my own defense, uh, Kentucky's about mm, 10 miles away. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's that kind of a crazy thing where it's like, okay, you know, what do you buy when you're considering this kind of thing? When you're, when you're making a decision about that, how can these guys trot that out? We're going to make fun of them. We're going to absolutely make fun of you. If you bring the same bike out for 30 fucking six years in a row, we're probably going to make fun of you about it. And, you know, it is silly when you go into some of these motorcycle shows and you go into the Suzuki hangar, you know, and they bring it out and you go in there and you're like, Jesus Christ, I think Suzuki brought 93 bikes to this show. And you're like, my God, that is the Suzuki catalog. I thought it was a Suzuki museum. <laughs> <laughs> you walk up to the bike and you're like, Oh, that's really clean. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. That should have historical plates on it. And like, no, that's brand new. <laughs> it's fresh. It's like 20. I don't have a problem with a bike like that's out and they just, they're not saying that it's new. It's just, it's what they've been building. But Suzuki tries to make these old bikes seem like it's new, like that ridiculous, like you push the starter button and it starts. <laughs> you, know, it's like, you don't have to hold the starter button. You just push it and that delayed start with the starter button. Like, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen at a, on, on a bike. Well, the, uh, that kind like that idea of that there are human beings that will spend that money is way beyond me. It, it makes no sense because I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to go into the Ford dealership and buy an F-150 pickup truck that is the exact same as a 1987 F-150 pickup truck. Well, you know? right. thing that they kept doing for many years when they'd release like the new DRs or whatever, it, like it would literally just say bold new graphics for 21 or 2020. You know, that was, it was literally, that's, Making yeah. fun of it, but that's what it fucking said. Bold new graphics. New graphics. The Honda I mean, the XL 650R has been around for fuck. It's yeah. Yeah. Struggling on. Just like the D. And it's like, oh, well. Well, Checker made a business out of it. You know, how long did they sell the 
I mean, you could argue that there's a reason why Checker did it because there was a whole industry about moving people around and you needed to have like the Checker cab was the perfect thing for being a taxi cab. So like the taxi cab, nothing embodied the job of being a taxi cab better than a Checker because like with the jump seats in the back, you could put six people back there and you could shuttle them around and the fenders were made in such a way that for 30 years, it was the same fender and they were made out of like really thick steel and you couldn't hurt them, you know, hurt them too badly. And it was only like leftover police cars being Ford Crown Victorias and Impalas that made the cab companies decide that the checkers were just too expensive. UPS right. trucks, those UPS trucks, they've been building them the same and they get millions of miles that are infinitely yeah. rebuildable, just like the post office has the long life vehicle, long life vehicle. LLVs. Nick, I know you've got some perverted interest in those. Long life well, I will. Here's a fun story for you. You know, our, our mail guy, the guy that brings the mail to the shop, he's hilarious. I love this guy. I, I get a kick out of him every day we get the mail. He's got a really good outlook on life. <laughs> but, you know, we got shit hammered by a snowstorm last week and we had, you know, a foot and a half of snow in the shop. And so we're out there with the snowblowers trying to clear off like a respectable little path of you know, just to get into our store. And we're going to clear the sidewalk. But the whole main part of the parking area was completely unplowed and deep as fuck. And this was very heavy snow, like really like the kind of snow that just grabs you and doesn't let go. And this guy has one of those long life vehicles. And I, I assume they're rear wheel drive. I mean, it's a hilarious little the mail trucks are hilarious. When I was a kid growing up, they were Jeeps. Yeah. And the reason they were Jeeps is because it was a government produced contract vehicle. But in addition to that, they were like these rugged little things that could go anywhere. The long life vehicles look like a Lego car, right? Like the front wheels and the back wheels aren't on the same track and it's a weird vehicle. Um, but they, he bombed into my driveway. He bombed into the shop's parking area and just with complete disregard for any sort of, I'm ever going to leave here ever again. He just wanted to get as close to my door as he could get. So he'd have to walk the least number of steps to deliver our like parcels on a day where if anybody showed up extra credit, nobody needed to show up that day, but he made it a point to really show us how good he was going to do at his approach speed. (laughs) And he, he landed that thing so far down range. I was impressed and got out and, gave me the mail and got back in. And I was like, there's no chance in shit you're getting out of here. Not on the government issue, USPS issue tires that are, you know, just mostly bald to his credit. He got wheel speed up so high that I just think that it was a gyroscopic effect, mostly moving it as opposed to actually being any sort of traction. I think that he just got the wheel speed up so high that when he shifted it into drive, at 9,000 RPM that the whole vehicle moved back three feet because of the change from reverse to forward. He and took I think off like a jumping jack. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he did. He just put it in reverse and put the foot on the floor until the tires were spinning at an impossible velocity. Then he just grabbed it and put it into drive. And the action of that just moved the whole weight of the vehicle full of letters. And it didn't. He eventually did that enough times that he got out of my driveway fucking incredible so yeah those long life vehicles go crazy knock yourself out you know just don't do like an ls swap or anything camaro with it oh i'm already planning a a honda k swap (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you guys saw we got that Ape in the shop that we're taking all apart, the Prosecco van thing. And, you know, this thing is a, a Vespa three-wheeler. It's got a 180cc two-stroke piston-ported motor in the way back part of it. And the box has been like custom fabricated and it's really heavy. And for what this person, for what she wants to do with it, the best solution that anybody could possibly do would be to take all of the original Italian components that turn gasoline into failure, take them all out, throw them away and grab a Yamaha electric golf cart and junkyard wars that shit and just cut it apart, weld in the Yamaha electric golf cart to the back, put a knob on it that says R, N, and D. And then a turtle and a bunny and that's it. And if make it all the complexity of like a handicap scooter (laughs) and that would be better than having it be the, the contraption that Piaggio designed in the fifties and continued to build through the sixties and seventies because this thing was painted. It's a solid 20 footer, but the wiring and the cabling and all the, everything that was done, somebody cut a hole in the top of the gas tank. And then for some reason, I still can't figure out why they cut a hole in the top of the gas tank, but this thing has been leaching gas out of it since the day it showed up in my shop. And then they welded the thing back together. And then because it was leaking oil, they decided to put silicone RTV all around where they welded. Cause that's going to work with gas. Of course it is. Yeah. Everything on this thing is just horrible, lowest bidder done by, I'm not even going to tell you, I don't think it was done in Italy. She told me that she believes it was made in Spain, but I'm thinking this was done in Greece. And I'm not trying to throw the entire country of Greece under the bus, but I do watch the discovery channel. I do watch the history channel and weird things happen in Greece. Like it's, it's strange there, you know, and Greek mechanics, just the whole concept of a Greek mechanic scares the shit out of me. So that's what I think is going on with this particular vehicle. And I've just pissed off all of our Greek listeners, but whatever. Uh, Four of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but what's happening in this particular thing? It's frightening that anybody sold it to this unsuspecting victim for as much money as changed hands. And yeah, I would be thrilled to just totally just take all of the like all the parts that came from Italy away and replace it with golf cart components that came from Japan, and then just throw three batteries in it and be like, you're good. Did you tell her that? um, I, we had a discussion about this at one point and because she doesn't think she's going to have this thing forever, she wants to preserve the originality of it, the historical originality for the next person who's going to buy it. But meanwhile, like, look, it's a two stroke with fifties technology that was made in the seventies and it's been cobbled together and it's all cable operated. And like, there's like 900 ways this thing can go wrong and only one way it can work right. I was just thinking about, if they were going to put bottles, like glass bottles next yeah. to each other in the back of this thing and then drive it over grass or something to get to where they're going with a two stroke with, with uh, four yeah. speed. 
Yeah. That ain't happening, man. This thing is just like, you know, like Oscar's saying, like, we've all pl- we've all played this game before. I've owned Apes before. Like, if you've ever seen what it takes to drive a, a manual transmission, three-speed, two-stroke, like, the only way to get it going is 9,000 RPMs and then feed the clutch into it gently, you know? It's just not, and it doesn't use a generator. It uses a starterator. So it's like the starter and the generator is all the same thing. There's a thousand ways this thing can go wrong. <laughs> Meanwhile, for her application, she doesn't need it to go 30 miles an hour. She doesn't need it to use all three speeds of the transmission. I really feel like this would be a, a perfectly suitable operation to just be like, take all these parts out, put them in a wooden box and say, only open these in case of restoration and set them aside mm-hmm. and, and grab a dilapidated Yamaha golf cart and just be like, and put that in. because. I don't think she's ever going to need anything beyond the speed at which it takes to go off of the trailer and go like around the building to where the people are. Right. Yeah. Does it have a differential or does it have like a chain drive to the rear wheels? So the way these were built is these go in through a single wheel drive. So the, the system on it is basically on the back, you have a two stroke air cooled motor that goes in through a little three speed gearbox and like the simplicity of a lot of motor scooters, there really isn't a drive chain. You're just dealing Leather with an output belt. shaft. So having an output shaft, instead of it going directly to a wheel, like Dan was talking about on a scooter earlier, it just yeah. goes into a shaft that goes out to a wheel. So in some turns, you make a right-hand turn really hard, the drive wheel comes up in the air and it just makes noise until the bike falls over, falls back onto its three wheels and then it goes there really isn't a differential in there. So um, there's really no advantage to, to keeping any of that. Uh, it just feels to me like for the, you know, for anybody who's not, you know, an inch and a half of shit under their nails already, it seems like going with a nice battery that you plug in and, you know, turning a switch and just and driving mm-hmm. away, you know, and would be better for a commercial enterprise. Yeah. Beat the reliability of a 12 volt battery compared to a two stroke yeah. scooter motor exactly right it really is and i mean and these things too even when they were perfect and they were new they were jankety as shit um so the fact that this thing is you know from the 70s doesn't make it any more attractive so this is going to be one of those very strange things where there are all these uh, psychological factors at play like we want to keep the originality because we want to someday get money out of something we've spent money on and it's like man you could really end up screwing yourself into a corner because spend all the world money in the world to make it original. But what you're doing is you're making something original that was jankety as shit. You know, Oscars all state doesn't have the correct original vintage drivetrain. No, because I want to ride it and be reliable. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I saw him riding his bike, I was like, that's not original. Nope. <laughs> it's too bad that the starter rater wasn't more robust. You could just put two batteries in it. Don't even start it. Just put it in gear and hit the key. <laughs> put it in reverse. How do you make it go? You just turn the key and hold it all the way to the right and just let the clutch out. <laughs> you ever seen there? There's the professional uh, rock crawler, the Marlin crawler. That dude, when they, when they get to a certain thing, like a 45 or more degrees, they yeah. take it and put it into neutral, and they, and they have a gear ratio where they use the starter motor, and the starter motor actually pulls the whole truck up the hill, and then they engage the motor again. 
Yeah, I mean, I've old, I've owned old Volkswagens and stuff like that, where the only way that I could get it where I needed to go and, and get it to the position where I would be to bump start it would be to use the electric starter against the transmission and just feed the clutch in slowly mm-hmm. as I was running the starter, you know, because there's a lot of torque there in an average starter motor. So, but yeah, and there's giant, uh, there's giant BMW K bikes. Uh, the reverse gear is powered off the uh, starter motor. There you go. And, and yeah, and that's a completely practical use of that uh, tremendous amount of torque that's there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. Uh, it, it, it's, it's funny me because what I want to do is I want to take this thing that was a two stroke and I want to turn it into a milk float. Like, so I, I want to do this, this ultimate crime, which is to eliminate the number of strokes by two. So I want to, you know, take what would be a four stroke that was a two stroke and make it into a no stroke. And, uh, and, and just give it that level of simplicity where it's like, this is your charging box clunk and you plug it into the wall and you're good to go. Can't you retain the, if it's a one wheel drive, yeah. can't you retain the one wheel drive? I mean, the drivetrain for that wheel and then take the other wheel and use like a hub oh. motor. Like it's a hybrid. There you go. It's a hybrid. So, you want, so you're saying you want to put a zero motor on it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't know. Yes. So this is what James yeah. came, James came into the shop today, and he was just like, "Phil, is there any way we can talk this person into letting us put a zero motor yeah. into the drivetrain of this?" And I was like, "Well, that's all well and good, except for zero motors are in the thousands of dollars, yeah. and Yamaha golf carts are essentially free. <laughs> like <laughs> finding finding somebody with a derelict Yamaha golf cart." Not, not a hard thing to do. No. In fact, if you're willing to go American, we have like the <laughs> Davidson Golf Court com- Company is at Southeast Harley Davidson. I, I have this I, motor out of a uh, electric lawnmower. If you'd like to borrow it, it's DC. <laughs> <laughs> There's a gem on GovDeals right now that doesn't have a display, yeah. but has the whole drivetrain intact for 120 bucks. There you go. And a gem will go 30 miles an hour. Right, honestly, so that would be a drivetrain. I mean, you could probably use a motor from from that to do that, I would think. Oh, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to have any of the display. You don't need to have anything else. And the gem will go faster than the Vespa Ape would go when it was in nominal operating condition when it was brand new. So it's, it's just, I mean, those things is like the idea of hanging on to history um, should be reserved for people with really, really long beards, uh, as opposed to people who are trying to run a Prosecco business, you know, <laughs> during a pandemic. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, the mechanics, the mechanics today said the best thing that ever happened to this particular operation was the patent, the, the COVID virus, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. <laughs> this person was under the impression that she had spent all this money on something that was essentially running and it was essentially good to go, but they really hadn't tried to use it beyond just kind of like starting the motor up and getting it up under the back of a trailer and then getting it off the trailer again. Had they actually tried to use it for any distance or whatever, it might've killed them because <laughs> there were vital components that were not hooked up. Um, what was going on with the braking system was a travesty. Like it was the original, all the braking stuff was from 1970, whatever. And it was all dry rotted and blown out, but the paint looked great. (laughs) I saw that there was a cable going into the head 
Mm-hmm. And I asked Sparky if it was a compression release or something. He's like, no, that's supposed to go for this heat, uh, uh, this door that opens up yeah. for heat. And they just stuck it in the head because they didn't have any place. They didn't know where to, they didn't know what to do with it. They had no idea where it went, but there is a, there's a little heater box on there. There's a little J box. Like if you're a Volkswagen person, you know what those are. There's a little heat exchanger thing on there that goes up to feed some warm air against the window against the yep. windshield and they had literally the people that built this thing had no idea what to do with any of this shit so they just stabbed it into the the top of the uh, air-cooled motor and they just had everything just going into a metal shroud who brought because this it just, like, like, this it disappeared like, was this like a company doing this or like did she find it on some weird website or like was there somebody doing this the dark yeah, web you know what <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy some heroin and a uh, weird Vespa. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And, you know, for those of us that have been in the industry a long time, there have been uh, Vietnamese made copies of various different cult vehicles. So, like, if you're into weird old cars, like um, Mini Mokes. So, if you're into Mini Mokes, there are companies that are building Mini Mokes that look like a Mini Moke. But uh, look a mini moke up. Uh, somebody pull it up and whatever. It's you know somebody you see them all over in Europe. They're great. Yeah. So mini mokes are really fun and they're really cool. But the thing is that you know mini didn't build them to be durable like that UPS we were talking about earlier. Mini built them to be cheap and ultimately disposable. So there are a number of fun, exotic, weird cars that um, mini mokes are one of them, and the other one is a Fiat Jolly. And so there are these cool little cars. There's a mini moke. And, you know, there are more mini mokes. There are more mini mokes on the road today than were ever built by the companies or the companies that built them, Austin and, uh, you know, Morris and all the companies that did it. So if you look in here where it says down there, it says the mini moke is back, you know, um, that's because it's being remanufactured in Asian countries. The Minimoke is back and it's electric, you know. Um, that's not the vehicle that was made in England. It's not, it's an Asian built something, right? And there are no shortage of people that want to drive that, right? And there have been a number of people building those, sometimes with license and sometimes without license. And that goes the same for the Fiat Jolly. So do a Google search for the Fiat Jolly. Um, we know a guy who's got the corner on the Fiat Jolly market. And these little fuckers right here, um, these little Fiat Jollies, they're worth a fortune. Um, these things go for giant money. And all it is is a baby Fiat. It's a Fiat 500, but it's a, a cabana version. It's the, you know, it's for the nautical environment. The plane, the plane. The plane, exactly. So the Fiat Jolly is just to get people from the dock back to the hotel or back to the resort. And it's for places where it doesn't ever rain or snow. And these things are worth a fortune. Well, we have a friend that remanufactures those in Vietnam and sells them to people for giant piles of money. And he's the only one who can tell which ones were made in Vietnam and which ones were made in Italy. So the ones that are made in Italy and original are worth a ton of money. And his Vietnamese copies are so good that he's the only one that can tell the difference. So when Fiat has their, you know, their annual Fiat celebration of little cars, they fly him over so he can judge the contest because he knows his own parts. He knows the parts that he's making in Vietnam. So, this is that kind of a thing. When we talk about all of the replicas 
in, you know, there have been replica BMW motorcycles. Uh, Chinese have built them. The Russians have built them. A couple of different East German companies have built these replicas of BMW motorcycles. Uh, Niepner and Ural and Chengzheng, you know, there's the Chinese company that did it. And then with Vespas, there's loads of replica Vespas out there. Well, now there's loads of replica standard Honda bikes, right? I mean, we've all seen replicas of monkey bikes. We've all seen replicas of CT70s, trail 70s. Yeah. Uh, so the replica- well, even that that uh, even the 400, the um, yeah. that's sort of a replica, isn't it? It is absolutely. It's a replica for sure. It is, and so that's that. Tra- that's that strange thing where if you're if you're looking in the industry, there is this thing to be like, well, you know, I want this look. Do I want to get the original and restore it and make it perfect and make it great, or am I just selling the look? Is the look enough? And I think in the instance when you're just trying to sell somebody a, a champagne flute full of Prosecco, I think the look is enough. I don't think you need to have, I don't think it needs to smell like two stroke. I don't think that's a critical part of it. I don't think pushing it to its destination is part of the charm. I have to admit though, seeing like a, a, a cotillion going on with the smelly ass, like two stroke blowing smoke on everybody riding through the thing kind of makes me happy. In a way. <laughs> And that, and and that's the part of Roman Holiday they didn't show you. That's the part that didn't make it to the didn't make it to the film was Gregory Peck standing on the side of the road, kickstarting that son of a bitch Vespa nine thousand times, while Arger Hepburn stood there and was just shitty sore, pissed off at him. Right, you know, as she was holding a side panel or something, you know. Yeah. Put your finger in there and hold that carburetor. Hold that choke open while I kick the shit out of this thing. Um, do you know how to siphon gas? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, well, fun story. Uh, me and my wife rode off on one of my vintage Vespas at our wedding, and I didn't leave the choke out long enough, and we made it about mm, halfway. Yeah. And then she just died. It just died. It was classic. <laughs> I have a I have this great friend of mine from the scooter world. You know, we we've grown apart over time, but he I had Vespas at my wedding. We didn't try to ride away on them. We had intentionally disabled them because my friends drink and they're assholes. Um, we made sure that those bikes that were my wedding could not be started under any circumstances because motherfuckers tried. Now, I watched a friend of mine get married and then took his bike, and then he and his wife jumped on the bike and tried to ride away on the bike. And it failed. It made it exactly zero feet because this bike that was built specifically for their wedding, built specifically to be ridden away on, had never been stress tested with both of their weight on it. (laughs) And what had happened is, yeah, yeah. You know what happened? Oh, yeah. Tire can't. Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) The tire can't go forward when it's locked at its top of its. And so. If if she got off the back, it would go. But if she got on, it wouldn't go. Uh, That's a honey, terrible look. Honey, just jog alongside, would you? Yeah. Fine. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we've all done the picture. Like the picture the photographers love where I'm on the Vespa and Merritt's like pushing the Vespa. You know, that like comical, like I'm bump starting you in my wedding dress kind of thing. I know many people who have that picture hanging on their wall of them at their wedding staging that particular shot. But in this case, it wasn't staged. <laughs> if he was on the bike alone, he could pull away. But the second she got on it, 
it didn't happen. Now, it could have been the difference between him and 10 pounds more or a difference between him and whatever she was. It didn't matter because what happens is from that point on, you're fighting an uphill battle. You'll never win that one. Now, I don't care if your wife weighs 96 pounds. You're never going to win that battle. That's it. With her on it, it didn't go. So it's not a good look. So make sure you test that out. If you're going to have right away on something, put them both on. Yeah. I, I, I have done sidecar motorcycles and sidecar scooters for people at their weddings and taken them away from their wedding on the sidecar rig. Very cool. Right. Very cool. <laughs> make sure the person that you're doing that with is dialed in on sidecars. If they're not dialed in on sidecars, make her get on the back and he gets in the bucket. It's still a good photo op and you can be the chauffeur driving them away. It's fine. But if they're not dialed in on sidecars and you think they're just going to jump on the bike and figure out a sidecar, no, <laughs> it is going to end ugly and weird and probably upside down. It's not going to be cool. Yeah. Not going to be, not going to be great. Yeah. It's totally not cool. So that's, that's that. Anybody got anything good coming up? No. So do you think that we should do a Cleveland Moto gift guide for Christmas? Yeah, why not? We have time. Okay. What does that mean? Come up with ideas. What do you want for Christmas? Yeah. Woof. Let's say I used the gift guide a few years ago yeah. and got one of those brass uh, scrapers for my yes. window. Yeah. Yes. Life-changing. <laughs> it's so life changing. So it just peels the frost off, and you're yeah, amazing. Great yeah. recommendation. Yeah, that was. So I, I think based on that alone, based on Dan's recommendation, based on his confirmation that we have changed his life through our gift guide, that's a good. I, that's enough. I'm I'm cool with that. So come up with a, a low dollar gift, a medium dollar gift, and a high dollar gift. And what you think is a high dollar gift is going to tell people a lot about you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and if you're listening, send them in to Phil too. Send your ideas. Let's hear what yeah, that's true. If you're a podcast listener, get them in because we'll drop this before the next podcast comes out because Steve's been really good about yeah. giving it to me and we're, we're turning them around real quick. And so we'll drop this before the gift guide comes out. So give us your idea of a gift. And I, I can assure you, if you look at this right now and you're looking at the Hollywood squares, literally three by three, um, we're going to come up with some cool gifts. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wakes Hofford up, He'll probably I'm come up. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping to get a, how about a black market COVID-19 vaccine? <laughs> I, I got that for you right now, Steve. <laughs> you want the Russian or the North Korean? Do you have to put it in your Janus? <laughs> on that note, dude. On that yeah. note. Ride fast and take chances. Bye-bye.